You know, there was a recent paper, I just have it on my Substack. If, if you want to review it, if you go to the Courageous Discourse Substack, and the first author is Helene Banoon, a former INSERM scientist. INSERM is a leading research unit in France. And Banoon has summarized this. This is disturbing. It looks like the messenger RNA is transferring from the vaccinated to the unvaccinated now. And uh, in a paper by Fertig and colleagues, the messenger RNA is found circulating in blood for at least two weeks, and the curves were not going down. That's as long as they look. Rokin and colleagues has found messenger RNA and the vaccinated in lymph nodes for months. It looks like the body's not clearing it out. And, uh, and then a recent paper, this is the most disturbing, from Hannah and colleagues, JAMA, showed that the messenger RNA is in the breast milk of yes. women ill-advised who took the vaccine uh, during pregnancy or afterward. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. It's hard to get. I was saying... Monday, December 5th, 2022. Apologies. I realized I forgot to change the YouTube channel to begin. Not that we should really care about YouTube for those that are on the channel, but uh, there, now it should be starting on YouTube. But thank you for joining me today. I have a really important show planned for some things that we kind of touched on in uh, in a couple, of, actually a few different shows. We had, uh, there's a lot we were going to try to get to at the last pirate stream, and we were having some pretty severe technical difficulties. And for those that were in chiming in and so on, we appreciate your feedback. It wasn't the microphones. It's something that's a problem with the actual connection, I believe, between the equipment, because the equipment seems to be fine. And anyway, the I think we've solved these problems in regard to that setup uh, in general, but in uh, there was a lot of things. There you go. That's that's YouTube beginning. There we go. So now we're live on YouTube for those that uh, were pointing that out. So I appreciate it. Now, the last few shows, and not even just on the last American Vagabond, the Daily Wrap Up, but also on I believe an interview with Alison Morrow on like a few different shows. AM Wake Up. I've been really kind of like patching together a lot of things that I, I think I'm going to try to put together on this show. A lot of it around the, the Twitter part. But we're going to get into that secondarily today. But I'm going to go through kind of rapid fire to start today about some really important things that I'm seeing that are new to a very to a lot to a large degree, but things that we've been kind of chipping away at. For instance, going all the way back to the one of the earliest Vayers reports that people were pointing out, which was breast milk and a baby that died after uh, getting breastfed right after the woman got the injection or within a very short period of time, and of course, very quickly dismissed and said fake news and dangerous misinformation. But now we're seeing just like everything else we've talked about and not like not saying that we were in the beginning saying we knew this is what happened. Anybody that was saying that, even if they are now shown to be right, we're still being doing that the incorrect way, doing it in a way that actually hurts the truth, I argue. My point was we were discussing it then going, could this be the injection? Absolutely. Yes, it could. And here's why. Do we know that for sure? No. And that's why I think we get censored more than most because we do it that way. But we're going to start with that clip. And what Dr. Mercola was saying there, and then supplement that with some important information that you might not have seen. We're going to talk about some alarming developments that, again, most of the stuff you guys are like at least peripherally aware of, 
but about the, another mask study that's now showing that also N95s aren't statistically significant. You already know this, but it's important to build on this information. Uh, we're going to be talking about blood very interestingly. A lot of these are going to be small segments today, but because of most of this, we've done a lot of supplementary work over the last two, three years. So please, if you are interested in these smaller parts, make sure you dive back into the links as well as just search these topics on the lastamericanvagabond.com because you'll find pretty much everything you're looking for there. Not to suggest that it's the entire story or all that you need to find, but I mean that you'll find every topic there if you look for it because we've covered most of these things in depth. But we're also going to talk about myocarditis and yet another study that's showing undeniably the mechanisms and, and basically as the, the term that they used, I was looking into more uh, in general was the phenotype or the pheno. I'll go through it in general. I was trying to grab it really quickly. But basically the point being is kind of like, I believe if I'm understanding it correctly, like the Brad Bradley Hill causality point that uh, Dr. Peter McCullough makes, if I'm saying the name correctly. The bottom line being is these are different ways that they're proving through the mechanism, through the, uh, the you know, the symptom, not symptoms or side effects, but essentially the things that, that are associated with the causes and the mechanisms, and then proving that it's essentially causing what we're looking at. You know, basically showing that what we're seeing is in fact being caused for sure by the substance, the injection, whatever we're talking about. That doesn't then therefore mean that everything that we're seeing read myocarditis is in fact because of this. I believe that's by and large what we're looking at. But of course, myocarditis existed before this. And I guess we should then be questioning if that is because of other injections. But oh no, I'm a conspiracy theorist, but we should be asking these questions. The point being that these are many different ways now being shown to prove that this is happening. Then we can compare that with the VAERS reports and everything else we're seeing, and it becomes exponentially more impossible to pretend it's not even there it's it's just overwhelming. And this is another peer-reviewed study showing you this. And and the as it the the, the title is autopsy-based histopathology characterization of myocarditis after vaccination. We're also going to talk about a very interesting development in, in New Zealand, as not just the blood discussion, but the way that they're now supposedly supposedly conducting an inquiry into the problems, but weirdly not looking into the problems. <laughs> Guess what? It's another facade of an inquiry, just like we've seen before. You know, we've investigated ourselves and we found ourselves not guilty. But we actually have a really important study we're going to go over from Germany in regard to the blood discussion. Many people have seen this big battle right now between a woman and or a family and their baby and refusing treatment because they don't know, they won't, they're refusing to differentiate between vaccinated and unvaccinated blood. And we're continuing to prove that's a very valid concern. And it's a battle ongoing, and we're going to show you today a German study that is saying we've proven, in their more in their words, one hundred percent that we can define the very clear differences between vaccinated, unvaccinated blood, and that there's marketed differences in the two, as well as a lot of other pretty concerning things. And of course, we'll talk about the WHO treaty, but we're also going to get into the Twitter part, pretty much the latter half of the show today, because I really want to nail this down, and you know, so people understand my opinions. Most of you know and are objective if you're watching the show for the most part and know that when I point out that these things aren't, for instance, Matt Taibbi in the tweets, that these things aren't sourced. It's just a bunch of statements and pictures. Now, a lot of people, usually the people in the partisan fields, because they're the ones with less, I think, partisanship, melts your logic, my personal opinion, will dive over the top and say that that means I'm saying it's not true. Now, that's not even remotely what I'm saying. 
my point is that I'm going to go over this interesting social experiment on how this has been developing. And the main point being that if you've watched my show and understand the points that I've even made in the thread, that I genuinely believe most of what that's pointing at in regard to the Biden laptop or the Hunter Biden laptop is absolutely what happened. My point in talking about the Twitter thread is not to say that that's not true because X, Y, and Z left, right paradigm, but because we don't know, there's no source material. That is not meant to be taken alongside the entire Biden story, meaning that that's, therefore, that's not proven, therefore, the entire laptop story is not proven. I think we should all know, if we're not brain dead, that that's obviously a real thing and obviously important. Now, within that conversation, we should also be able to say, but Matt's Twitter thread is just text and screenshots. And until we have source material, we should not be saying it's this or it's that. It's very interesting. At the same time, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I find this so fascinating. The corporate media is basically taking this like straight across the board line. He's doing PR for the richest man in the world. The easiest argument is, well, there's nothing but text so far. So we'll report on it when there's source material. Now, the fact that the corporate media in every possible way never even made that argument, I think proves my point, that this is more about getting us to trust an intermediary or the form that's in as opposed to asking for source material. Now, whether that's the entire thing or not, I think it's being played that way. Now, we'll go through all this today. Sorry for the longer opening. That Twitter part, as you can tell, it's just, it's like, it's again, it's just fascinating to me. It's like a social experiment to watch how people are being used, manipulated, and how quickly people will take the bait if they want what they're putting forward. It's very interesting. Now, let's start with that clip we, we opened with today and how important this is. It, it's just it's it just the clip itself. Now, I mean, I'll just I'll play the full clip and we guys can hear it all the way through and then we'll get into the actual uh, some of the actual material, the peer-reviewed science, the VAERS reports, and what we're talking about and why, and, and why that's so plainly clear and has been from the beginning. Dr. Peter McCullough pointing this out now is just additional on top of everything else. And because he's got clout and because he's a highly credentialed scientist and has the right to speak on these things, and that he's pointing at other peer-reviewed science that says the same thing. And this is a tweet from uh, Antonio tweets saying, clip from Dr. Peter McCullough, interview with Tanya Gaw, founder of Action for Canada, and says, it looks like the mRNA is transferring from vaccinated to unvaccinated. Now, what's interesting is that people who want to dismiss this without looking further, it's the same thing we're seeing everywhere. It's not about whether it's right or wrong. It's that you've already chosen, if that's what you're doing, what you've decided the truth is. I mean, this is a kind of interesting dynamic we're seeing, and this applies to the Twitter kind of social experiment thought process, that we're seeing in regard to the mask discussion of people who were moments ago saying trust the science and still are, by the way. But then when the government says the very people they're pointing at when they say trust the science, the CDC said, right, then the CDC says, well, you don't have to wear them anymore. And they go, that's not true. I'm going to because we're in danger. So what's happening right there? If they were trusting the science, they would have trusted what the CDC said because that's what they think the science is, clearly. But then when they don't do that, how do you explain that? Who are they then trusting? They're trusting whatever they've decided is the truth. And apparently that's decoupled from any kind of authoritative position. It's just what they decide. And they'll seek out and find whoever is in any seeming position of authority who says that and goes, oh, that, that guy's right. That's the one. He's the expert because he says what I think. It's literally everywhere we look right now. It's crazy. Two-party paradigm, I think, is the main point. Now, back to the clip. My point was people will dismiss this without even thinking about it because they don't want to hear what this is, mostly because they probably fell to the narrative and are afraid to admit that. But this is alarming stuff right here. If you go to the courageous discourse substack, 
And the first author is Helene Banoon, a former INSERM scientist. INSERM is a leading research unit in France. And Banoon has summarized this. This is disturbing. It looks like the messenger RNA is transferring from the vaccinated to the unvaccinated now. And uh, in a paper by Fertig and colleagues, the messenger RNA is found circulating in blood for at least two weeks, and the curves were not going down. That's as long as they look. Rolkin and colleagues has found messenger RNA and the vaccinated in lymph nodes for months. It looks like the body's not clearing it out. And, uh, and then a recent paper, this is the most disturbing, from Hannah and colleagues, JAMA, showed that the messenger RNA is in the breast milk of yes. women ill-advised who took the vaccine uh, during pregnancy or afterwards. And remember, this is in women that are pregnant or breastfeeding or in any phase there within that process that right now, still to this very day, it says on the community, Pfizer, Moderna, all their documentation, FDA, Europe, that they don't know if it's safe. In, in the UK now, they've come right over the top and said it's not safe for pregnant women, or at the very least that we have no clue and they don't recommend it anymore. Whereas in this country, it still says we've never tested. We don't know if it's safe for breast, breastfeeding pregnant women. But then the CDC says it's safe. Take it. I don't How you even pretend that makes sense is beyond me. But we keep throwing that out there. Same point I make alongside the flu or the vaccination point where it says the same thing. We've never tested this alongside other injections, any of them. But meanwhile, the CDC says take a flu shot right next to it. Because why not? Because we don't know if it's safe. Walgreens, CVC say, here, it's a discount. Take them at the same time. Dr. Jaw says, we've got two arms. Take them both. None of that is proven to be safe. Now, I'm not, I'm not, you could even argue that it's most likely safe based on X, Y, and Z. That's not the same thing. And we've never played that game before this, at least not on the surface level, before it was, well, we test it because we have to make sure. What about the children, right? Not today. Today, we're supposed to take it on the chin and say we assume it's safe because otherwise we're scaring people away from things. I mean, this is just child kindergarten land. I mean, it's unbelievable where we are. I think the messenger RNA, that's the greatest concern is, is could you actually take a vaccine inadvertently by close contact, kissing, sexual contact, breastfeeding? And it looks like the answer is yes. Now the question on the table is how long do you wait uh, for contact? No one knows. This, the, the vaccines, the messenger RNA vaccines for short, they've never been demonstrated to actually leave the body. They look like they're permanent, uh, as well as the spike protein that's produced after them. This is very disturbing. So it's hard to guide. I was saying, you know, 30 days refrain from kissing sexual contact with a vaccinated person. But I'm now extending that to at least 90 days and, uh, and conservatively maybe extend it from a point forward. I know there's married couples and all kinds of, uh, of, of personal uh, implications there. But, but no, this messenger RNA looks like it's for keep every shot is accumulating in the body with no ability for the body to get rid to of it. Remove it. The yeah. vaccines, because they stay in the body so long, it looks like they do permanently install into the human genome mm-hmm. through what's called reverse transcription. So this is disturbing that not only does the vaccines not get out of the body, but now they're changing the human genome. Uh, this is shown in a human hepatoma cell line. And so it's conceivable that two vaccinated people could actually pan. Right. The, the main thing for me, guys, is that this, is not just about breast milk. I mean, logically speaking, even based on the things they're discussing there, that this is something that can actually, arguably, I'm not saying I'm proving this, that that can shed. If we know the spike protein can. Now, their argument is then in whether or not it's enough to make a difference, but it's proven 
by the by the by the discoverer of mRNA itself, by the science behind it, by even the fact that Twitter put him back and reinstated his account and the tweet that says, yes, absolutely, the spike protein can shed coming from the expert that discovered this. Right. It's very discovered the mRNA itself. Right. The point is, it's very important is Dr. Warren, by the way, Luigi Warren. To understand that that is a, a thing, the spike protein itself, because one, we know that it continues to circulate through the blood, which they, again, I mean, every single thing they tell you is wrong at this point, or the stays in the shoulder muscle. No, it doesn't. It doesn't go through the blood. Yes, it does. It only circulates one. No, it doesn't. It continues to make more of them. I mean, wh- why aren't these people's continuing to question those that are still taking the line? Fear, I guess, because literally everything from day one is now completely different. And it's not because the unvaccinated or because some new Omicron variant. I mean, it's, it was not that case in, from day one forward. It's mind blowing how obvious this is. But so we know that this stuff can shed spike protein. So is the mRNA doing the same thing? And if so, what does that truly mean? These are dangerous questions. But bottom line is if it can be spread through saliva, through blood, this is going to continue to do something transmute to translate or, or tr- excuse me, transmit to other people. And then what does that mean? And if they continue to be put in the population, does it come to a point to where it's no longer avoidable? Like the glyphosate reality, where it's literally in the air and the, the clothes you're wearing and the food you're eating. And that's nothing we can even run from anymore. And then don't forget that Dr. Stephanie Seneff, PhD, has put together undeniable evidence that glyphosate basically primes you for these problems. It's just, it's unreal. It's almost like you can see a path to how this has been created. However you look at it, guys, this is very alarming. And we're not allowed to talk about it. Meanwhile, September 26th, here is on JAMA. This is, this, here is the study on JAMA. Detection of messenger RNA COVID-19 vaccines in breast milk. I mean, this is just, I'm just grabbing a few of them. This stuff has been going on and been discussed, proven, I would argue, from the very beginning. I argue what I mean is from the beginning of these re- the research, right? Right out of the gate, these studies were like, well, yeah, the, this, this is being found in the breast milk. How you pretend that's not a problem? Of course, well, you send out the fact checkers, right? The opinion checkers to go, well, no, even though it's there, there's no indication that it's unsafe, right? Because we're still pretending mRNA is completely benign. There's no problem. Don't man the mind behind the curtain, right? Don't look at the studies that show you this stuff has problems before we ever got to COVID land. Don't, you know, ignore the fact that nanoparticles themselves are shown to be problematic, but we're using lipid nanoparticles and acting like that's safe. I mean, there's everything you look at. The point is, all they just say is, well, there's no indication, you know, other than the baby's dying and other than X, Y, and everything we look at, but there's no indication, despite posts about the new study. Okay, what about this study itself? Don't you love how they sidestep these things? Despite all these Facebook posts about this new peer-reviewed study, what about the new study itself? It's peer-reviewed. Doesn't that matter? Nah. Full story. There's no evidence. Don't you love that beginning? Because, you know, evidence is simply a report, like a Vayers report. That's not so what they mean to say there's no proof, but they want to conflate those things. And even though I argue there is proof, But to simply say there is no evidence, the first four words of the fact check, fake news. Think about how dumb that is. No evidence that babies are harmed by drinking breast milk from mothers who have received a COVID-19 vaccine. At this moment, on October 4th, 2022, there is, I mean, I I, I don't want to say hundreds if I might be incorrect. I know there are a lot of reports about this. Personally have read at least three or four of them, but I know that they're like looking at the VAERS numbers. There's a lot of reports about this exact thing. You can argue that we don't know for sure because that's a fair statement. But every one of those reports is evidence, right? So they're saying there's no evidence this has happened. 
On the contrary, they say, vaccinated mothers produce antibodies and even some immune cells that recognize the coronavirus or SARS-CoV-2 in breast milk, which may provide some protection to infants. May, I guess. I guess we're assuming that they're the right kind of antibodies. And then what does that mean if they're not when you pass them on to a child that's a budding immune system? Or about all the other things that we know this is doing, like dysregulating the immune system. God only knows what that does to an infant. All these things have been proven. But we'll just go, well, they're dumping some kind of antibodies. That's probably good, right? It may do something. Yeah, but it also may do a lot of bad things. This is unknown is the point. And they're acting like, well, it's probably good right? It may provide some, some protection. Well, it also may do all the negative things we say too. And it's amazing that that's just ignored. But this is the fact check, right? Well, here is one of Vayer's reports. Just show you one of them. Please take the time to look into this. Just search breast milk, for example, on Vayer's and you'll find all sorts of reports. Are they really pretending this is not evidence? On July 17th, my baby passed away. I had been breastfeeding my six-week-old baby at the time that I received the first Pfizer vaccine. We've, th- we've talked about this already. It's endless. So think about how easy it is to wake people up to the reality when they're literally going, there's not even anything there. And you can dump things right in front of them. I'm not saying that we can prove this because she could have been wrong. It could have been something else. But it's undeniable that this can happen and that there's lots of reports for it. And they're not even caring to look. Just like Scotland, they go, well, we don't even know. We're not going to look into the neonatal deaths because it creates vaccine hesitancy. Because we already did studies in the very beginning. And even though we've got an unexplainable excess death, specifically in babies and infants, we're not even going to look at it, though. That's actually what they said. And then people reported that and said they proved it wrong. No, they clearly said they weren't even going to research it. It just It's mind-blowing. Now, all of that is just a small little part of this, guys. And you can look through this in depth and look at the other shows we've done about exactly these points. But you see how easy this is? And I'm not, look, and you, I'm not even take, telling you to say that, you, to take a walk away from this going, this proves everything. Question this, look into it and realize how easy it is to recognize that they're literally diving out of the way of even trying to research this. And what does that show you when you have this kind of research peer-reviewed on JAMA Network right in front of you and one of the leading doctors in this, in cardiology specifically, but one of the most uh, cited people in that field talking about this based on other peer-reviewed science? Shows you that there's something fishy going on at the very least, doesn't it? Now, on top of that, the argue, people are arguing that the, I mean, the mask part of this is definitely coming back. I mean, they're all over the place. They're starting to point at this. They're going, well, flu for flu and RSV doesn't make a difference. These things are not statistically significant in reducing transmission of any viral, every single one of the things we talked about. I've broken down the size scale for, uh, for, for microns based on all these things. And none of them are, the masks are not capable of stopping these. They're not statistically significant in reducing transmission. Over and over and over, we've been saying this. Here is a brownstone.org article pointing out the same thing based on a new study. Not even N95 masks work to stop COVID or flu or RSV or anything else we're talking about, assuming they're even there. T-Lab has been proving this to you since 2020, guys. None of them are statistically significant in reducing transmission. Remember that sentence because it's important. That is the main part. According to numerous peer-reviewed studies and numerous meta-analyses of all of these studies, even one done by the CDC in March of 2020, which was during this, which said they don't work, not in this context, but it was for flu. So they said, we don't know, that doesn't apply. And now we clearly knew and we knew then that it did. It's amazing that this is still happening. Now, here's the article itself, if you want to read through it. The study link is right here. The point is, it says all, all the things that we've already talked about. That's right here. Now it says, 
and the Annals of Inter Internal Medicine just published a randomized controlled trial, gold standard, comparing the ability of medical masks to prevent COVID infection to fit tested N95s. Because remember, the first part was, well, wear cloth masks because that's what makes sense. Then it became, oh, well, we always know those don't do anything, even though we pushed them on literally 99% of the population, knowing that they, in fact, based on peer-reviewed science, increase your risk of infection for numerous reasons. Been knocking that one down since 2020 as well. And only got one brief mention on Fox on Tucker's show one time, but he misquoted it as actually the wrong year. So maybe that was intentional. I don't know. But the point is that they said cloth mask, cloth mask. You have to wear cloth mask. Then said later when Lena Wen and Gottlieb one day apart on CNN and Fox News, because it's not controlled at all, came out and said, oh, guess what? Now we know cloth masks don't work. Wear N95s. Were they pointing at some new science? No, no. They were just suddenly saying that based on nothing new. Somehow a revelation. We've been studying this. No, it's always been clear. So why they shifted, who knows? But then they said N95s. Well, guess what? Those are also not going to do it. This is the point. Now, you, I will point out that some level, when you get up to things like BSL-4, 3-4 labs with their hazmat level suits, there are things that are used, like literal respirators that are fitted to your face that are designed for this. Now, the reason those aren't even applicable to what we're talking about is because they are literally per person made and fitted to your face. That's not, and that's one of the reasons why these things don't work on top of that. Even these kind of masks are obviously supposed to be at least worked, worn properly. None of these things are tested. None of them are regulated other than certain levels of N95s forward. But even then we know based on their studies from their own companies that they don't stop, are not statistically significant in reducing transmission. But it goes on to say, importantly, this trial was conducted on healthcare workers who would be most likely to use them properly. Because even the N95s specifically are meant to be fitted and worn a right a certain way. And that's and this these are for the higher level. Because remember, what it stands for is 95% of things, I think it was 0.3 microns and above, that it can stop. That It's on M3's website. I've shown you 50 different times. And guess what? Shocking. Coronavirus, if it's really there, is smaller than that. So too are the other things we're talking about, provably. So we have a group that were... That would most be the most likely to wear them appropriately. Now, the trial design was also important as it was meant to determine whether or not these respirators, N95s, were superior to just regular surgical masks. They examined 29 different healthcare facilities on multiple continents from North America, Asia, to Africa. You know, a small little conspiracy theory study. The percentage of healthcare workers testing positive for COVID in each group was tracked to determine how effective or ineffective higher quality masking was in preventing infection. Now, you can throw in the caveat here whether or not we're using PCR tests, whether that even makes sense, but different point. It's relevant, but my point is simply to say this is the reality based on everything we knew before, during, and after this conversation. Unsurprisingly, the results confirmed that there was essentially zero difference between surgical or N95 respirators when it comes to these test results. And even to go back to that point, you could argue that maybe that's the case because it's not there and you're using a PCR test that's a flip of the coin. Maybe that's why. Either way, it shows you the same thing, doesn't it? That there's no difference. No matter how high quality your mask is, it's entirely irrelevant. Now, I would argue that's either a true statement by them because what they're saying is mask, and maybe that word doesn't apply to the respirator level. And I'm not talking about N95s either. I'm talking about like the high, the high level, like full face, you know, BSL-3, 4 lab kind of style, right? The point is that that's, I would argue if we're talking about those, then yes, there is a level where it's relevant for sure. But I think their point is that the mask you know, your surgical, medical, whatever we're calling them from Walgreens is not even tested. It's not even, there's no regulation. They're all different. Most of them have microplastics and chemicals and all sorts of things that are really bad for you. And those, that's come out over the years. 
during this illusion. And of course, it got suppressed because that makes them look stupid. So it's all being shoved away. The point is, go through this more for yourself, the study itself, and realize that we've always been telling you this. That's always been the point. And, well, you know, demonstrating our value as we try to do, show you that we are pointing these things out, not because we're guessing or because we, simply because we're being objective and continuing to report the facts to you. Now, on the myocarditis end of this, here's Marty Makari, MD, pointing out another example of how this is very clearly happening. New study, cardiac autopsy finds in five persons who have died unexpectedly within seven days following the injections, they establish histological phenotype, that's what I was looking for before, of lethal vaccination-associated myocarditis. Autopsy-based histopathology, characterization of myocarditis, excuse me, after Pfizer injection. Or actually, I believe it was Pfizer. We'll just COVID injection. Standardized autopsies were performed on 25 people. Now, don't forget, by the way, one of the most, before I even jump into this, just speaking of autopsies, one of the most obvious and under, I mean, basically black, well, just blacklisted, I was going to say, but it's not the right term, sort of just uh, memory hold, there you go, discussion that's so wildly important to all of this that proved everything we're talking about is the idea of all the autopsies post-injection that's shown mRNA all through every organ in their body, all these things. And this has been proven numerous times. These are peer-reviewed studies, for crying out loud, showing you that they found mRNA in their organs, yet they'll still continue to pretend that it only stays in your shoulder. Think how stupid these things are. The point is that that's, that's been out for a long time. And then there's been more that have happened. And then on top of that, don't forget the blood clot discussion. Now, in a general sense, those are a real thing. And we have got plenty of very highly credentialed and respected doctors like Dr. Ryan Cole pointing this out, right? But just be very careful what we talk about in this conversation, because right now there's a lot of stuff out there that's being mixed and muddled with very easily debunkable information. And that's a problem, whether it's intentional or not. And I think sometimes it is. So just make sure we're sticking to the, you know, the, the provable information, right? The bottom line is all of this stuff is happening. Now, back to this point, standardized autopsies were performed on 25 people who died unexpectedly within 20 days after their injection. In four patients who received mRNA injections, they identified acute epimyocarditis without detection of another significant disease or health constellation that may have caused an unexpected death. Constellation, yeah. Histology showed patchy interstitial myocardial T lymphocytic infiltration, predominantly of the CD4 positive subset associated with the mild myocyte damage. Overall, autopsy findings indicated death due to acute arrhythmogenic cardiac function. Thus, myocarditis can be a potentially lethal complication following mRNA-based injections. We know this already, but this is just one more point continuing to prove this very serious thing that, remember, right out of the gate, they were so desperately, aggressively trying to kick this down. I mean, there's still, I think the CDC still ridiculously argues this is like one in two million, despite the continued peer-reviewed studies that find one in up, I think the worst one I saw was one in 3,500. It's just so clearly an overwhelming problem. For especially for people, which remember the global, according to the Ionitis group, generalized risk is 0.03. That's the death risk, 0.03%. That's way less than the flu. And yet we're giving children this that are even ridiculously further down that scale. 
even in Omicron land, where they tell you it's one one thousandth of the risk it was in the beginning, even though that was nothing for them. And yet we're still forcing children to take this gear. I mean, it just really does make me sick. It makes me makes me feel nauseous to think about how this is still happening and how clearly obvious this is. Now, here, here is a, a little interesting compilation on this exact point. This is also Dr. Peter McCullough, but this, uh, I believe, yeah, I believe it was Harrison. Yeah, I said he made the video here. And here's the link to the full one. You can watch it for yourself. Thank you, Harrison, for making this. I think this is in the good overlap. What he says is law, law, lawyer Sue Gray, biochemistry and microbiology, says that COVID-19, or she had bachelor's in that, says that COVID-19 vaccines killed thousands, which is so easy to prove. Easy. And even there with, even with their one in, you know, super rare numbers easily add up to thousands. I mean, but yet that gets pushed back on even when that's stated. But it says that this this person pushes back on him saying this is incorrect. This morning report. It says enter enter cardiologist, intern internist and epidemiologist, Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the most published cardiologists ever. Now what he says here, or what, what they do with the compilation is it just goes over his factually based statements inter kind of in uh, oops, do we did I lose you there? I hope not. Let me know if you guys, yeah, saying YouTube is down. Oh, you know what? I think I think I think YouTube just got pulled down. I love when that happens while we're live on the show. Hold on, let me just check real quick. I just think it's hilarious when that happens because, I mean, think about what it takes to pull something down like that in real time. Uh, where is the link here? Let's see. We'll just do this so you guys can see it with me, so you're not just waiting for me. Not that it really matters. I shouldn't even waste the time, but whatever. I already started. Let's see. I only noticed because it looks like there was an issue on people chatting. By the way, here's the website. If you guys haven't seen it, make sure you go to thelastamericavagabond.com. Link to the Substack. Yep. <laughs> Look at that, guys. Look at that. I mean, oh my God. What are we live for? 34 minutes? 34 minutes. It was probably before that. Gone. What was it? What were we talking about? Provable facts. We haven't even gotten into anything subjective at this point. We're talking about provable peer-reviewed science. Provable peer-reviewed science. And somebody got so upset so quickly that they already took it down. Don't you love that? I mean, I just, it just, it's, you know what we're going to do? Let's do this in real time. Check this out, guys. We're going to open up another YouTube channel and start streaming it right now in real time. Oh, you know what? It already is. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Okay, check this out. We're going to open up the MF Doom channel. MF Doom is one of our mods. He lets us use this channel. I'm going to get this going. Oh, you know what? I can't in, in, in uh, anyway. Okay. It's, it's on his channel. If you guys want to check it out, Doom, if you want to post it somewhere, they can check it out. Let's get back to the show. Not enough time wasted on ridiculous YouTube and how they break themselves to censor everybody. Now back to the point, you know, peer reviewed science and so on, that this is something that cannot be denied where we were right here. And here is the expert talking about this, one of them, and overlapping with what is being discussed here. Again, you can even see in the clip showing peer-reviewed science, right? It's amazing how peer-reviewed science is fake news when it challenges what they want you to think, right? And, and the back and forth on top of it, going kind of tying it back to what we we're talking about, is that this stuff is in real time happening where we're just simply going, it's potentially dangerous. And you've got these high-level people pushing back so aggressively that it makes an average person still go and take something like this. It's, that's just incredibly dangerous. 7 billion people have had the dose of vaccine in the world. Are they all wrong? 
thousands have died. People have died from COVID-19. No, 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 no. They've died from the vaccine. That is not correct. I'm an epidemiologist and people have asked me, Dr. McCullough, are the vaccines actually causing the deaths? The epidemiological construct that we have to go through is called the Bradford Hill Tenets of Causality. So the first question is, is it a large epidemiologic signal? And I tell you, it's astronomical. All the vaccines combined in the United States per year, it's no more than 150 deaths, not temporarily related. Here we're at over 21,000 deaths. So clearly it's a massive signal. Number two, is there a dangerous mechanism of action? The answer is yes. We know the vaccines have a dangerous mechanism of action. They install production of the spike protein. The spike protein is what makes the respiratory infection lethal. And it follows that in some people, excessive production of the spike protein in a vulnerable person would be lethal after a vaccine. The third criteria, is it internally consistent? Are there other conditions that are now acknowledged that they themselves could be fatal? And the answer is sure. It, with uh, myocarditis, our FDA agrees, all the regulatory experts agree that the vaccines cause myocarditis. Can it be fatal? Yes. Have there been fatal cases published? Yes. Uh, by Verma and Choi, as an example. Those are uh, publications. There are over 200 peer-reviewed publications of myocarditis. How about other forms of death? Vaccine-induced thrombocytopenic purpuria, thrombosis, blood clots, a stroke, hypertension, myocardial infarction, a variety of other lethal syndromes. There's over a thousand peer-reviewed papers published on fatal and non-fatal outcomes. So that criteria is met. So it's internally consistent. Is it externally consistent? So it's consistent with the yellow card system, the UDRA system, and the US VAERS system. And finally, is it temporarily related? Yes, it's very tightly temporally related. We have two separate analyses, one by Rose, one by McLaughlin, independent analyses, U.S. fares data. 50% of these deaths occur within 48 hours, 80% within a week. So I've just gone through the exercise. It is beyond any shadow of a doubt that the vaccines are causing large numbers of deaths. 11 billion people have had the dose of vaccine in the world. Are they all wrong? thousands have died. People have died from COVID-19. No, 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 no. They've died from the vaccine. That is not correct. It's unequivocal. And I'm a card-carrying epidemiologist. I'm telling you, the vaccines are causing large numbers of deaths. This is the problem. They get pushback from people that are just towing a line. And and you know what? Many of them, not to give them any kind of a sidestep, genuinely think that they're doing the right thing, which speaks to their level of intelligence, their level of due diligence, their level of critical thinking. Because if you are just parroting what you're told from an authority figure and you believe that is research and that is doing your due diligence, then you shouldn't be in the position you're in. It's bad. Or they don't care. And that's even worse. Bottom line is this is undeniable and these people are just pushing back on it. I mean, it's very, very clear. Oh, yeah, I forgot to open this. The other point was to just show you this and just remember, guys, somebody shared this with me today. According to repeated nationwide surveys that this every article and every TV show everywhere, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. All right. Five out of four out of five doctors recommend aspartame. Right? Yeah. Very healthy things. Right. Or we all love Agent Orange. All these different things and these 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 articles and images and things that we're pushing were done just like they are today because a consensus doesn't mean truth. Right. It's very easy to manipulate people who are I mean, what's that old saying that it's very hard to get a person to understand something that his his paycheck is 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 contingent on him not knowing it or however that goes. Right. And the point is, you got a lot of people out there that are tied into something like that or just people that don't care. Or I mean, these are just people. Just because someone goes through school and barely squeaks by medical school, which remember, there are plenty of people that barely get by and they still wear a white coat and you don't know any different are people that are willing to do things that might not be so, I mean, look, how many people do doctors not break the law? I mean, it's amazing when we got in this position where we pretend like they are altruistic because of the, by virtue of their position. 
Or, just on top of all of that, maybe they're just wrong. Maybe they're just misinformed by the people they think they're supposed to trust. Either way you look at it, here's something that's obviously not true, right? And the point is today that these, or not that they smoke them more than anybody else, but the point was that they say that they're safe, and that's what we've seen many different times. And that's the same thing we see happening today, right? So here's an example of the false accountability that you're going to see everywhere as this goes forward. Daily Telegraph New Zealand points out COVID inquiry announced, but (laughs) very clearly I'll show you next, vaccine efficacy is not even included, along with a lot of other things. On top of the fact that a career epidemiologist appointed chair, the point is this, did I lose the spot? Here we go. Oh, right here. Okay. Yeah. So this is, you can see summary of the terms of reference for the Royal Commission of Inquiry into lessons learned from their COVID response, right? Purpose of the inquiry. Guess what the purpose is? You know, you'd think, well, to find out whether there was things that were done wrong or whether we should, well, the purpose is to strengthen New Zealand's preparedness. Oh, so then the WHO thing all over again, right? That's just a simple argument for we're going to do more of what we did last time and just buy more of it, spend more, lock you down more, and response to any future pandemics by identifying those lessons learned from this response, right? So you'd think they'd be like, well, lockdowns didn't work, these didn't, no, none of that's actually happening. As it says, the scope of the inquiry is the lessons learned and in specifically these areas, the legislative, regulatory, and operational setting required to support their health response. Oh, right. So we didn't get enough support with our authoritarian actions. Right. Communication with, engagement of, and enabling people and communities to mobilize and act in support of, you see my point? All this is about just, can, they're bolstering their position of what all, and everything they just did wrong and just nailing it down harder. The legislative, regulatory, and operational settings needed to ensure the continued supply of goods and services required to enable people to isolate and otherwise take protective measures. My God, do they really think that? I mean, the point is they don't care what you think. The legislative, regulatory, and operational settings, uh, here's the main part down here. This is what they're focusing on. Right. And and that's the absurd part or the least absurd part. Here's the craziest part. The limits to this inquiry. Right. The inquiry should not make recommendations on public health strategies and supporting and blah, blah, blah. Here's what it says. First of all, to make her point, vaccine efficacy. We're just going to not look into vaccine efficacy at all and whether or not we blindly trusted the lies that were being sold because that had no bearing on all. Really? Really? Particular clinical decisions made by clinicians or public health authorities. Oh, so we're not even going to look into whether we made a bad choice or whether we knowingly lied to you. No, that's not important, right? People don't care about that. How and when the strategies and other measures devised in response to COVID were implemented or applied. Right, exactly. So they're just going, we're not going to look into any of the how and the logistics and and why we should have done this or that. None of that's going to happen. The specific epidemiology of COVID and the variants, right? It's, It's like nobody cares where it came from or why it's, or if it's still there. No, none of that. Like, this is a complete farce, the whole damn thing. The recent reforms to health system, including the organizational agreements for the public health services, and, you know, probably the overlap of the WHO and where that's all going, the judgments and decisions of courts and tribunals and independent agencies such as the Ombudsman and Privacy Commissioner and the Independent Police Conduct Authority relating to COVID pandemics. You know, their overreach of power. We're not going to look into that. The operation of the private sector, except where the private sector delivers services. I mean, this is just incredible. I'm actually kind of shocked by how ridiculous this is. You'd almost argue they could have just typed it out in a very confusing way. They're just blatantly going, we're not going to look into any of the things that you think are important. Any adaptation of court procedures, you know, like completely ignoring due process, things like that. Any adaptation of parliamentary processes. You get the point, guys. 
the conduct of general elections during the pandemic. You know, the way that they, I mean, every single thing that people actually were pointing out about what we think we should be calling out and keeping accountable, none of it's even included in the farce of an accountability process. My God. The front page. How can New Zealand find social unity again? (laughs) This is what they're pointing at. This was yesterday. It says, looking at how the country can rebuild better. Like, I mean, this is how stupid they think we are. The fact that they keep trying to, like, repackage this same kind of idea. No, no, no. We're not building back better. We're going to rebuild better. Totally disconnected from everything in the Great Reset. No, no, different. Totally different. The next series, as voted for by readers, focuses on the feelings. The feelings of a divided society and how the country can find social cohesion again. You know, when they say the feelings of a divided society, they mean the very specific factions of that society that we want to point at and pretend are what everybody thinks, even though it's clearly not. While many have moved on from dwelling on the pandemic, right, see, this is their point. We've all moved on. We're, we're on COVID. We're on climate change and Ukraine. You got all you conspiracy theorists. Hey, what about amnesty? Aren't you going to move forward? We just want to move forward and forget because that's, that's kind of the sentiment because nobody's moved on. Like People who are taking these injections are wildly struggling and they're not moving on because they're still lost in this paradigm. People who haven't are, like myself, are, are, are actively trying to call out what went wrong and have accountability for it. So I don't think anybody's moving on. That's what they're desperate to make you think. Everybody's moved on, except the conspiracy theorists. That's the gist of this. Many who engaged in conspiracy theories around the virus and subsequent vaccine remain committed to the community that has sprung up from that belief. Oh, so you're upset that they're continuing to fight for the truth? No, you can think of it differently. You can say that they're lying. But what you're arguing is they're committed. They're committed to continue to push back on your narrative. And that's what you don't like. Isn't that is that against the law? Well, they're surely trying to make that the case, aren't they? Not free, free speech isn't allowed anymore as long as you challenge the government. We're, don't, we just, we'll point it out in the end of this. Don't, the DHS just came out and said, people were worried for threats for the coming winter holiday, mostly from people that don't like the government overreach or believe that's what's happening falsely, is their point. Well, here you go. Same idea. Recently, Health New Zealand took a couple to court after they refused to allow their son to receive vaccinated blood. Because, you know, the conspiracy theorists, despite the proof we just talked about, the proof we'll get to next, evidence, I guess. Kate, Hannah, and don't miss that they cannot have any conversation about genuine concern of vaccine side effects without roping in QAnon and Trump and whatever else, because this is an overwhelmingly obvious agenda. It says the director of the disinformation project told the front page that this is an example of the long tail of these stories. Right. I mean, if you even get into anything they're saying of these stories, you'll find most, almost all of it roots back to something you can prove. She said that other, other global conspiracies, don't you love that? Right. So wait, at some point, are you going to realize that if it's a global conspiracy, if that's what you're calling it, that most people seem to understand this is possible or happening? Right. It's not, it's, this is like saying 90% of people voted for a conspiracy theorist government, so we can't allow that to happen because they're misled. Well, isn't that democracy? At what point do you realize that you're, you're just simply challenging your own belief structure because it's gotten out of your control? It's just hilarious to me. But such as QAnon, of course, right? Because you can't think vaccines like this are hurting people without believing in some ridiculous QAnon theory, right? Are taking root here. And it means that events like this court case become part of a global network and are shared internationally. They're just terrified that people are aware of what's going on. Right. The fact that Americans are going, we're going to stand with these New Zealand people because they have a right to make these choices. That's their global conspiracy. Now, it says it, quote, it, quote, it means that I said that funny quote. It means that we get attention from international conspiracy theorists or international lawyers 
or international freedom. People that are trying to help these people, but they're international conspiracy theorists now. That's how quick that is, you know, sort of like the British Medical Journal, one of the most highly regarded platforms in this field, suddenly becomes a medical conspiracy blog when they say the wrong thing. It's that stupid. And it says, and this has happened in the most recent case with some of the fake news perpetuators in the United States posting about this family. See my point? Quote, and it also means that our local stories become part of this widespread global net of conspiracies and almost make people who have been caught up in it the real events feel like their lives have greater meaning because of its impact in the global space. Like, it's funny. So it is being seen and it is having a bigger impact. It's reaching people around the world. So my point, so they're just kind of acting like that's not real though, because we don't agree with it. Well, my point about democracy, just because you don't agree and most people vote for it, that's still the same thing. You can't then go, they're all misinformed. It doesn't matter anymore, right? The po- or you have to start realizing maybe you're the one misinformed. That's all certainly possible. But the point here is the same. It's, it's giving them a fake impression that they're getting global... Re- no, that's really what's happening. You just don't like it. And so the impact of QAnon or global conspiracy theorist is quite severe, right? So they just likened this reach about this story to just QAnon global conspiracy theory. That's the clumsiest, most ignorant overlap, and that's all they do. That's like saying any question about what's going on is conspiracy theory. It's the laziest argument possible. It doesn't take any any effort, and you know you're going to get support. It's lazy and bad. But it says it's quite severe because it is an is it inciting story it is an inciting story for people to attach their own lives experience to. Okay, so so think about this. So you've got a child that died from the vaccine. You see it happening to people and you stand with them and they simply say you're all confused and part of some global conspiracy. This is continually why I point out that people are not buying this anymore. They've completely lost control of this. I love it. I love they've lost control, but a little too late. Right, it's horrible what we're seeing because it's still happening. But let's let's tie this in with this discussion. Right, DHS warns of heightened threats ahead of the holidays. We just talked about this. The point is, it says uh, the Department of Homeland Security's warning of rising threats in the coming months. Right, what they're gonna what they're trying to point at is this conspiracy theory pushback, or in reality, at least in part, people that are simply calling out what's going on and using peer reviewed science to do it. Just like with my Twitter denial of my appeal. Suddenly now I'm mongering of hate. I'm violent and threatening people. That's actually what it said. Me, of all people, who daily call for nonviolence, which, remember, was censored based on medical misinformation. But I guess because Elon removed that policy, they just have to insert whatever else they can say to keep that being removed. Because my account's still not back. But so too are Dr. Peter McCullough. It's not there either. Lone wolf actors are groups motivated by personal grievances and violent ideologies. Possibly. Are these things possible? Sure, sure. But what they usually categorize as that are things that are not even close to that or are very suspicious, questionable. Possible attacks against the media, critical infrastructure, and perceived ideological opponents. they're, they're They're roping in the MAGA trap. That's what this is. Perceptions of government overreach continue to drive individuals to attempt to commit violence. Now, I do not advocate for violence, but we can all understand where somebody in this position would feel they have no other choice. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying you, I agree with the action to take violence, but you're re, you're creating a situation where there's no other choice for them. And they could choose to do nothing. Sure. But then when you remove, like when, let, you know, again, you, you have a child that dies, you can prove that they died. The doctor even says it was because of the vaccine. Then you try to do something about it and they attack you. They suppress you. They, they in, maybe try to put you in a mental institute because they think you're crazy. 
What do you think that person does? And then when that person does something, again, in the wrong direction, I argue, because it will only be used against him, acts out in violence, he becomes the terrorist. They frame it as this exact problem, his perceived overreach. Well, no, there's no perceived overreach. There is overreach. But still, the act of violence, I think, is the wrong move because of how they're trying to make this happen. But you see the ridiculousness of saying perceived overreach when they're creating the very thing. It's like a January 6th idea. Of course there was cheating in the election. There's cheating on both sides all the time, as far back as you want to look. So when these people feel like their election was stolen and they want to do something about it, they frame that as perceived government whatever. And then they make them out to be terrorists. But they didn't take the bait because they're not too they're not stupid enough to take what they were trying to lay out at January 6th, and it blew up in their face. Some domestic violent extremists have expressed grievances based on perceptions the government is overstepping its constitutional authority. That's an easily provable fact. Now, don't take the bait. That's what they want, I argue. But here is an example of what we're talking about. This is just a clip. This has been all around. I was going to do a segment on this the other day, and I ended up not doing it just for many different reasons, trying to find what to include. But I'm going to play this clip, and this is about the family we're talking about. Now, the reality is I've done a lot of work on this topic, and I'll show you this again at the end, about this was just the most recent, the Vaxxed Red Cross blood donations. I've played the clip where I spoke to them. That's in here, by the way. I spoke directly to the lady at the Red Cross when the very first time this conversation started, all the way back in 2021, and proved that they knew there was a problem. I've played the clip showing you that they knew that it removes antibodies from your blood. I'll play it again in a moment. The point is I'm not going to go through it all again because I've done it at least three or four times now. So if you want to check it out, check it out. But understand that this is not up for debate. There is an issue. And then I'm going to show you the newest German study that says beyond a doubt, they found that they're different. So ask yourself, if there is scientific studies, which there are, they're showing that there's a problem here, that there is mRNA, there are spike proteins in the blood. Why is this even up for debate? And then ask yourself, if this is the mother of the child, doesn't she have the ultimate say? All of these things have been challenged during COVID-19. Don't miss that it's all been shifted under COVID-19 while we're proving these things. have safe blood that is, that is our right as a mother and as my voice is with my baby. The baby is not scheduled for his operation. Mm. He's, he's in a stable condition. We're not playing with our baby's life to get a political or, a, or any movement going. We're, no. we're wanting our baby to have the surgery and we're wanting mm. him to have the very best of um, that's available for his surgery and his future and his, you know, recovery. We have a government and a blood bank that are not prepared to make available services that they can offer and that they offer in other situations. They're not willing to make that, those services available to this baby. We got our say about what we wanted and then it was you, you know, your say is not a scientific say, it's a, it's your concern, and but it's not our concern. They're saying, we know best what's good for your baby, and we want you to do it our way, and we are not even going to talk to you. We're going to go into the court, and we're going to try and get somebody from the court to gang up with, with us effectively and make you do what we want to do, because we're going to show you where the boss. There will be no harm. They've got the blood ready. They, the operation can go ahead. In the interest of the parents and the child, this can go ahead. Right, that's the craziest part, is so they have donors willing to be there who are unvaccinated that are, that are already a match. And these people are just refusing. Like, so if you're going to pretend this is about the best interest of the child and not the political stance that it's not a problem to give the mixed or vaxxed versus unvaxxed blood, then you're just, you're lying to yourself. Like, I, you, I, I'm not going to try to speak to the intentions of these people. They could be doing it what they think is the right thing, or maybe not. Who knows? The bottom line is there's no logical reason to stop this from happening. If they're making the choice, it's their right to make that choice. And there's proof 
evidence. I, I, I mean, I'm, it's proof. There's pre-reviewed science and there's real world examples of this exact thing happening. You know, and then again, the next part we're going to get to that there is a difference in the blood is long, along with other things. There's no reason they should. And again, and then with people that are willing to be there to be the donor, why would they balk at that? My personal opinion, again, this is me guessing at what their intentions are. I would never say I know, would be that this is a, 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 an anti-vaccine stance. They're going to say, you're just an anti-vaxxer and you're misinformed and we know what's right because we're, and also these people have been charged up with their own superiority. A lot of these nurses and doctors that are, aren't the ones that got fired, right? That are still the ones that are towing these lines for the most part and are going to stand there and act like we're going to do this because you're wrong. I mean, I just don't know how to see it any other way. If they didn't care, they would let them make this choice. Like maybe if they didn't have donors ready, they would say, well, what are we going to do? There's nobody that's going to step in. We're going to have to wait. It'll put the child at risk. But that's not what's happening. They just don't want, they're just not letting them do it. And now they have to go to court. Now, what happens in the process between that? They're going to blame the parents for dragging it out, but it's not. This is the hospital making this take time because they could just acquiesce to the parents' choices that aren't violating any rule, any law. I mean, this is pretty obvious. As the donor? Sam has. Sam, you've We're going to show you where the faults. There will be no harm. They've got the blood ready. They, the operation can go ahead. In the interest of the parents and the child, this can go ahead. You've organized the donor? Sam has. Sam, you've organized them. We've been screening. We've been, we've done everything that we need to do. They're all ready. Mm. I'm getting texts all the time. A am I going to book my appointment at the transfusion center to, to give blood? There are thousands and thousands sticking up the world. He gave me another smile. He, I just fall in love with him every time he smiles. It's beautiful. And we found last night there were so many people overseas coming on board and, wow. and wanting to support. Wow. This is becoming a real world thing, a real world story. Right. And they're calling it a global conspiracy network. Think about how wild that is. People are standing up for her have, that have no stake in the game about the vaccine. They just say, look, she is a mother, has a right to make her child's decisions. And that's now there are anti-vax conspiracy theorists because that's the clumsy patch they're putting over all of it. And that's why we should listen to these people, because that's the kind of thought, critical thinking thought process they apply where you can just broad stroke an entire, I mean, it's obvious people aren't trusting these people for, I'm not talking about the corporate media today for a very long time now. Even the people though, that have been are finding it are, and I'm, I say that because I'm talking to people and realizing that people are slowly going, okay, this is getting impossible to support. This case is about Will's life, and he is a very special little boy, but it's about the lives of your children and grandchildren. If one day we find that our blood bank is utterly polluted, we don't know yet, we pray it won't be, you will be so grateful to have had this case where all you journalists have stood up and said, we must have the option of unjabbed blood in New Zealand. We need to all write to the uh, Prime Minister and say, free up this unjabbed blood all these people want is this baby to have the operation tomorrow yeah. free up the unjabbed blood hmm. very clear now here's where i saw it first this tweet this uh, st oh and by the way in case i didn't i feel like i didn't say it i feel like i feel like i thought you guys knew about this because i talked about it the other day but in case you don't know the story this is a family in new zealand who is i think i did say it but just in case are fighting to there's a, a surgery the child needs and as he heard him say he's stable but he's it's needed and they, they refuse to, to let this happen because the hospital divulged that they do not differentiate between vaxxed and unvaxxed blood. And they are determined to not let that happen. And I agree, I agree wholeheartedly with that. It's not even a question, guys. There's, there's, an, there's a danger to this overlap. And here is one of the most important and obvious parts. And this is dystopian down under. This is where I saw it first. 
Quote, we have determined that, artific that artificial intelligence can distinguish with 100% reliability between the blood of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Thank you for pointing this out. I appreciate it. Here is the point that he's highlighting. Just, and, I'll, and then I'll show you the other part of the study. We have established that the COVID-19 vaccines consistently contain, in addition to contaminants, substances the purpose of which we are unable to determine. That's crazy. Some of these ingredients uncovered by us have not been listed as ingredients by the vaccine manufacturers, right? Here's the conversation. People are throwing out all sorts of hypotheticals, things like the graphene oxide, graphene hydroxide. And I think these are valid concerns, especially since there's endless amounts of peer-reviewed studies talking about how that's the next step for vaccination. But yet you point it out and they go wild conspiracy theory. Like very interesting kind of overlap there. But the point is, using a small sample of live blood analyses from both vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals, we have determined that artificial intelligence can distinguish with 100% reliability between the blood of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. This indicates that the COVID-19 vaccines can affect long-term changes in the composition of the blood of the person vaccinated without that person being aware of these changes, of course, unless something bad happens. Very, that's incredible. Now, I plan on going through this more in depth, like the whole entire thing. I mean, I might, I say that often sometimes and it doesn't, it doesn't happen because of, you know, breaking news tomorrow, but I, I, I do have that kind of vaccinated versus unvaccinated blood category that I build. You know, I've done a lot of shows on it, but I, th I think this deserves some in-depth going back over, but here is just the main part of it where it says that they're calling, you know, calling for this to be stopped. The vaccination programs must be stopped immediately. Here is the preliminary findings, just the bulk of it. Toxic substances were found in all of the samples of COVID-19 vaccines without exception. All of them. That implies mRNA and all the rest, which says something pretty alarming when you think about it. So this was a ubiquitous effort. The blood samples of all the people who had been vaccinated showed marketed changes. That's, I mean, this is important. That alone is enough to, not, to have the option to not take that versus something else. The greater the stability of the envelope of lipid nanoparticles, the more frequent are vaccine side effects. Well, look at that. Look at that, right? The greater the stability of the envelope of lipid nanoparticles. Now, remember the beginning of this, or rather before COVID, remember I keep telling you this, and nobody explains why this makes sense. Before all this, the reason for 20 years that these things never succeeded was because the, the, to get the mRNA delivery to work properly, they had to increase the level of lipid nanoparticles for it to make it, to make it effective in the sense of delivery of the mRNA instructions. Right. But the problem was when they increased the lipid nanoparticles, they thought they saw a dramatic increase in side effects and they failed. They stopped. Now, nobody are explains why that wasn't what happens. Today. We can see that happening today. Do you know the reason they say that these succeeded? Because they increased the lipid nanoparticle con contents to make it happen. I'm not even making that up. And they just never explain why that wasn't still a problem. But guess what? We can see it. It's still happening. So they're finding all of this in these studies. In all samples of COVID-19 vaccines, without exception, components were found using several methods of measurement that are in the quantities of found toxic, according to medical guidelines, had not been declared in the manufacturers, are for the most part metallic, are visible under the dark field microscope as distinctive and complex structures of different sizes, can only potentially be explained as a result of crystallization or decomposition processes cannot be explained as contamination from the manufacturing process. It's a big deal, guys. This is a big deal. Now, all of that being said, the point is that these people have every single right to take this stance. Now, if you want to go through this in depth, this show is in here. The link to the actual phone call I had with the Red Cross where they admit all these things is in there. All these things are in there. Now, I think I can grab it from right here. 
these links are important so you can see these for yourself. Now, these are important because, I mean, they've tried to be dismissed many times, but the truth is that they're very easy to prove and they're numerous cases of this being shown oh well i guess i'll leave that up since i grabbed it i don't want to play it now it's still seven minutes long but that's the that's the interview the the phone conversation i have with the red cross here is one of the scientists telling you that these antibody antibodies are removed from from our finding is that we found that recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, those who've had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. Now, these are the sort of gold standard private security. Then we also have, we also had the woman, if I still have that, let me look. I've played this many times as well, but, you know, just in case there's somebody out there that hasn't seen this, because this was aired on corporate media. Right, It was aired on corporate media where they discussed that this is definitely what they're finding. And it was very quickly hidden, suppressed, even though the science and what the Red Cross told me directly backs this up. And your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. And then there was a massive cover-up of the story, and everything was settled away. The way I have way back machine links in that other article showing you that the Red Cross changed their, their website. Everything's very clearly stated. It's undeniable. There's, I mean, if, we, if you can't see by now that there's an obvious effort from some level of authority to actively cover these things up, and that people in these positions are either too stupid to see it or willingly going along with it, for you know, a number of reasons, then you're just not looking. I mean, it's plain as day what's happening. Now, here is something that An An uh, Nashville Angela actually messaged me about this today. And thank you, Na Angela, because I, I hadn't seen this most recent development. Uh, and this, these are the, this is the development of the pandemic treaty. And that's what this all is about. All of this stuff is about coordinating an effort for the next thing that will not be your choice anymore. Even though they argue about sovereignty in this document itself, you read it it's, and it very clearly is undermining the very sovereignty of these countries if they're involved in this. As she points out, they're having another meeting tomorrow. Now, this is today. This meeting is supposed to be taking place. Now, you guys find anything about it or you have seen, you know, watching it and you see things, clip it, let me know, send it to us, send it to, send it to Angela so we can talk about this. But here are the two documents. Now, one is about the meeting itself and one is the outline that I want to show you. Now, this one, yes, and this is um, both posted November 25th. This is the one that she sent me and this is about the third meeting of this group. Now, what it shows, or what they're talking about, is the zero here. Let me reopen that again, actually. This headline, the conceptual zero draft for the consideration of the intergovernmental negotiating body, the INB, at, at, at its third meeting. Now, what this says is discussing the WHOCA+, which is essentially this, the term for this pandemic treaty. And it's very concerning where this is going. Now, first of all, just so we can have this timeline here, this is the same, you can see the same page. This is where we are right now. This is December 5th to 7th, the third meeting, deliverables, consideration of the conceptual zero draft, which I'll show you, discussion of the way forward, including development of the zero draft of the pandemic treaty setup, establishment of a drafting group of modalities, <coughs> excuse me, but then you can see that this continues. As a, and this goes February 27th to March 3rd of 2023, fourth meeting. 
presentation, establishment of the drafting group. And so this has all been laid out. So, I mean, ask yourself why this even makes sense if you don't have a say in this. How does sovereignty make sense if the peoples of these countries aren't even involved in the process? Continuation of the drafting meeting, sixth meeting, review of the work. And I'm getting to the point as it comes down to, you know, where these things are already set to be established. Preparation of the final report for the 77th World Health Assembly, which we're talking 2024. Ninth meeting, consensus of the text. Now, if we're going to pretend this already isn't playing a factor in these decisions and we're going to just wait for 2024, that's not what's happening. There's already the de facto amendments we're talking about. The like the, This is establishing, like the, the I argue, the pandemic biosecurity state level of like world government. And that's what this will be applied, how it will be applied, whether we call it that or not. Because, I mean, we're right now in an endless state of emergency, apparently, for any number of things. That's how this works. Now, this is the most concerning part to me. And this is under the introduction, definition of terms, the relationship with international international agreements and instruments. The parties recognize that this pandemic treaty and other relevant inf- international instruments should be interpreted so as to be complementary and synergistic. Oh, uh, wait. Oh, it's, it's actually, oh, it's right here. The objective. I think there was one thing in here. Hold on. Uh, in the event that any part of this addresses areas or activities that may bear in the field of com- competence. Yeah, I believe it was just this next part. So under the objectives, and then per- the principles are what concern me the most. The objective guided by the vision of the principles set therein is to save lives and protect livelihoods through strengthening proactively the world's capacities for preventing, preparing for, and responding to, and recovery of health systems from pandemics, which is what we just saw play out, right? So what they're talking about is doing more of that, strengthening and solidifying that we don't have any pushback at all based on what they next say is good. Now, look, you could argue they're doing what they think is right. I don't believe that based on a lot of different reasons, but we saw them push forward lockdowns and mass and everything else, and which they still are, by the way. Despite all the evidence and despite the fact that it's done untold harms in regard to children and, and, and health in general, even though they're now covering up the side effects of the injection by claiming it's all about the lockdown, even though they're now going to use lockdowns again, and that admits that we were right the first time, like it's just so convoluted and ridiculous. But the point is, what if the next thing they say is wrong? What if they made a mistake, acted with limited information because we were in danger? That's what they keep saying, right? So this just simply puts it in position where we no longer even have the ability to disagree or push back, that they just decide and it goes forward. So it'll be lockdowns in mass or the equivalent of that next time, and we don't have any say. That's where this goes. Now, despite what you may think, that is what this is. It's very clear, and you can read through this entire thing for yourself, under the principles, to achieve the objectives of the pandemic treaty and to implement its provisions, the parties will be guided as applicable by the context inter alia by the principles set below. So you're essentially... They say guided, but you can see in here clearly what this is. And don't forget the early preliminary discussions about this, such as the threat to outside entities, right? So if you argue there's an outbreak in Iran and they're hiding it, well, this argues you have the right to do something about that. I mean, this is just the new evolution of the foreign policy agenda. Respect for human rights, because of course, we clearly tell that they care about that, right? Well, unless you're an anti-vaxxer and you're misinformed, then then we don't care. Right? We'll force you to take the injection for your own benefit. Well, that's not human rights then. That directly undermines the bioethics set out by UNESCO. But who cares, right? The implementation of this shall be with full respect for the dignity, human rights, and everything else in between. And each party shall protect and promote such freedoms. So that these are the, the lip service to what they contradict further down. The right to health. 
the enjoyment of the highest attainable standard of health defined as the state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being is one of the fundamental rights of every human being without distinction of age. Now, that in, in itself is a weird statement. Like, what's the statement there? Isn't that already what we have? Well, what they're actually saying is that there's a level of inequity, right? That it's not within their power. Well, that's not true, right? Everybody in, and we're talking, let's just take it in the context of the United States. Like, I know that there are ways these things are abused, but how about we also realize that people that didn't get these injections out of the gate were probably the most lucky. Either way, the point is that in this country or any microcosm of what we talk about, it's a choice. You have a choice to eat healthy. You have a choice to exercise. You have a choice to do these things. Now, if you think that that choice is about whether you get the right kind of pills, then you're then I think you're lost already. The health is not about pharmaceuticals, but that's what they're talking about or medical interventions. And the point is, is that that's what they argue is the right to the highest level of health. That's absurd. But the, what they mean, though, is that those things need to be given to everybody. Does everybody want those things? What's the first part? Sovereignty. States have, in accordance with the Charter of the United Nations and the principles of international law, the sovereign right to determine and manage their approach to public health, you know, with all the caveats they list below. Notably, pandemic prevention, preparedness, response, and recovery of health. Same thing. Pursuant to their own policies and legislation, provided that activities within their jurisdiction or control do not cause damage to other states and peoples. Of course. Well, there you go. So that means you have your right to do all of this unless what we fill in says the like the bottom line is that means whatever they want it to mean. So when the United States says Iran is an outbreak and they're hiding it, then that is what they'll point at. And we know that's how this will go. The WHO will say like they do today that they are that without any evidence, which we keep seeing, they'll say that, well, there's a problem. We have to push in here. We have to do something about that. Then it's going to come in with the arguable altruistic entities like the National Endowment for Democracy or whatever they argue or the WHO itself or any number of these entities that have been proven to be at the very least compromised. Not every person involved, but could be. And so the point is that now you have a situation where they go, yeah, you have your sovereignty, but until we decide that that very sovereignty is causing damage, whatever that means, to other people and states. It's as simple as that. Now, you may not think that's going to be abused, but it could be, and you know that, and that's my point, is it will be. It always will be if it can be. Equity. The effective response to pandemics requires ensuring fair, equitable, and timely access to whatever we tell you you're supposed to have. <laughs> that, that's the point there. And they just make that they, they, under the guise of equity, it's basically force giving it to everybody no matter what. That's how I look at it. Now, just, just jump ahead. You can read all these for yourself. I mean, you get the point of these. Transparency. The effective prevention of preparedness for response to pandemics. That's what it's all about. On transparent and timely sharing of information. So what that means is you have to be forthcoming about what's happening to you and people can be accused of hiding these things. Now, are we really going to pretend that Russia and China and Iran and the United States and everybody who is involved in this to some degree are not going to accuse each other of hiding things? So all that becomes is the, 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 another mechanism by which to make things shift. Accountability. Countries are responsible and accountable for, guess what, strengthening and sustaining their health systems. Right. So is it sovereign? Sovereignty, if you are now on the hook to do what they say you have to, to define as strengthening and sustaining their health systems? Well, no. See, that's not your choice anymore. Capacities in public health functions to provide adequate health and social measures by adopting and implementing legislative, executive, administrative, and other measures for fair, equitable, effective, and timely pandemic prevention. Okay. What if they say, well, that's not equitable. What you're doing is not effective. That's not timely enough. Well, guess who decides? The WHOCA plus. That's who it is. So how you pretend that sovereignty when they have the final say is like pretending that the EU countries have sovereignty when the EU is what's actually running with not the not the prime ministers. 
inclusiveness, the active engagement with and participation of all relevant stakeholders and partners across all levels consistent with relevant, applicable international and national guidelines. Great. So when the World Economic Forum wants to push in for some reason based on this equitable term, you see my point? Or even just the WHO. These are the stakeholders and partners. Or what about the groups? What about Pfizer? What about they? Because they're a stakeholder, right? Consistent with their applicable. I mean, this is obviously a problem. This is not based on what we just saw happen over the two and a half, three years. This is the last thing we should be doing right now. More centralized control. They obviously prove that's not the thing we should be doing. Now, just to cut to the chase here, as Angela pointed out specifically, the one health point. Multi-sectoral actions should recognize the importance of a coherent, integrated, and unifying approach that aims to sustainably balance and optimize the health of people, animals, and ecosystems all around the world. It says, including through, but not limited to, attention to the prevention of epidemics due to pathogens resistant to antimicrobial agents. You know, and gee, why is that happening? Who cares? The point is, a ubiquitous, one per, like, one size fits all health for everybody. There's a lot more in here that's concerning. My point, you know what concerns me the most? The things that they don't put in there. The things that aren't really defined. And that's what is always the most concerning. But as Angela also shared with me from WHO, the one health point. Oh, here's what it says. One Health is an integrated, unifying approach that aims to sustainably balance and optimize the health of people, animals, and ecosystems. Right? So it's not, it's, it's, a, it's every, it's the, it's this equal, like, how, what's the, what's the best way to describe that? Like, why, the point is, it should be your choice, as always, to make your own personal decisions. Not based on what your neighbor does, not based on what the eco, the ecosystem or the, the climate is saying, the climate change discussion. Or even, I mean, just today, I wasn't even getting into it, but they're saying the biggest bird flu problem in history has just started in America. Why? Because they're killing a bunch of animals. What? Based on PCR tests. Well, what's actually happening? The point is, well, that becomes an animal problem, which then translates into something we have to deal with and act on in your personal health situation. Because the WHO said, and because they have that control now. Address health challenges such as the emergence of infectious diseases. Of course, the control over that. Now, look, I'm not saying it automatically guarantees the extreme of what I'm pointing out. All I'm saying is this is what it can mean and historically almost always does eventually get to. By linking humans, animals, and the environment, One Health, in capitals, can't help to address the full spectrum of disease control. And through that, you, guys, disease control means population control. From prevention to detection, preparedness, response, and management, and contribute to global health security. Global health security, right? Think the, you know, eat, what was it before? I forget now. The UK health systems, and now it's UK health security agency. It's like the CIA of health. That sounds fun, right? Because that's what this is. This is the biosecurity state. This is the new evolution of control of the government. It's all this really boils down to. And what we're talking about is the same concept, the management control and contribute to that from a top-down control from people that literally just destroyed the world on the actions they took in the same way. And now you don't have a choice. Great. Right? So we're going to finish with a point in regard to Twitter that kind of ties it all together that I'm really concerned about. But before we go to end, you know, not even close to ending the show, before we get to that point at the end, I want to go through some of this Twitter stuff to really define this for people that may have been confused about what I've been saying in general, and just really call this out for what I genuinely think this is. Now, as I said before, and we talked about yesterday, I pointed this out. I don't even know how anybody can disagree with this, but that's the most amazing part to me is that people find a way to because they they wink, wink, read into what they believe I'm saying, which is because they're lost in the two-party paradigm, and that's the kind of thing that people are being engineered to do, 
right? To assume based on what they perceive the other side to be thinking, even though that's not what's being stated. And then that's when they point at it and say, well, they, here's what we know Trump actually means. Here's what Putin is thinking. Here's what he wants to accomplish. And everybody buys it because they're all playing this game. The problem is this is a very easy to make statement. Why are so few pointing out that these supposed Twitter files are just tweets and screenshots? I'm not saying it's all false. I guess people just skip that part of it when they tack me for saying that. Merely no one knows but Matt, I guess Matt, and Elon. No one honest should be taking this at face value until we see source material. Now, the first thing you could point out is, are you assuming that I'm saying that the laptop story is false? If so, why? Right? Because being assuming, we know the old saying, and make an ass of you and me, right? Or really an ass of you. <laughs> in most cases today, people that assume end up making themselves look like a fool in most cases. And that goes for all of us. I do it sometimes. We all do it sometimes. But in this case, my point is, why would it be the assumption that I'm saying the laptop story is false? Well, because that's the two-party paradigm discussion. That's where this all ties back to. So in their world, if it's only left and right, you got people saying, it's all fake. On this side, you're saying it's completely real and everything's been proven. None of those things are completely true in the context of this. My point is that have the, the Biden laptop story, that's one of the most, that they've already admitted that is an actual story, even though they still pretend like it's convoluted. It's very real. It's very important. And it very clearly leans to the left more than anything. But it doesn't just lean to the left. It's, it's the government that it's holding, that it's, I guess, exposing. My point is that this is not actual transparency. This is the illusion of transparency. Now, that also means that it could come out tomorrow. And then when it comes out tomorrow, this is still a right statement. My point is, why is it right now not being called out? I just want to make that very clear. And I'm going to go through a couple of these because I'm not that it's important for like the truth necessarily, but I'm really, I genuinely am fascinated from like a social engineering level why people take it like this, how people respond to these things and what that shows you. So just understanding that, that this is just about the fact that we, that nobody is proving these because nothing has come out source material wise. Matt's claiming he's seen a bunch of stuff. Now, anybody honest should be going, okay, well, before we take what he says at face value, whatever that may be, we should see something. Now, that doesn't mean you couldn't talk about it. <clears throat> doesn't mean you couldn't share it and say, well, this looks interesting, but let's wait to see what the source material says. That's all fine. Or, you know, I shouldn't even say it like that. You do whatever you want. Feel free to lie. Feel free to say it's proof. I don't care. You have a right to say all those things. But then be ready for me to say you're being ridiculous. Now, the point is to go through the actual breakdown of this. Now, the Twitter files themselves, how the story goes, are supposed to be information that Elon gave to Matt Taibbi. Now, don't forget that he already agreed to stipulations that he posted one of on his sub-stack, which was it had to be posted on Twitter and not on his sub-stack. Now, what are the other stipulations? We should ask these questions, right? Why are people holding up Elon Musk as the savior of free speech right now, despite the fact that's clearly not yet happened? Now, could it happen tomorrow? Yes. Me saying it hasn't happened yet is not me saying Elon's a farce. I truly don't think it's happening. My point is I'm objective and I'll wait to see what actually pans out. The amazing part about it is partisan players from all sides will attack the argument of just we don't have proof yet because we don't. And that's not about the entire story. It's about what they're saying here. Now, here's one response. I believe because there are people on those emails who are not in positions of the decision makers in response to what I'm saying. When the source material is released, I'm sure those will be redacted. They want to get this out ASAP and I'm not thinking it's nefarious. Well, fine. Right? That's, that's kind of superfluous to what I'm, or aside to what I'm saying. I said, maybe you're right. 
Right? I mean, maybe, maybe that's what's going to happen. My point is we don't know yet because nobody's seen it yet. And that everybody in these fields are jumping out and making these statements. <clears throat> and it says, and that any supposed journalist out there claiming Elon is doing X, Y, and Z, whether that's about free speech, whether that's about what this says here, or that these tweets currently amount to proof of anything is ridiculous and is exposing themselves for being, at the very least, an advantageous assumer. Now, again, people would assume that means that I'm attacking the very story of the blind laptop. That's not what I'm saying. It's just the context of these tweets, which we were read through entirely when the day it came out. And this person says, we do know what they said the laptop was Russian disinfo, which I've said, which is ridiculous, which we've all laughed about, which this person doesn't know because they're assuming what my opinion is, when it was 100% legitimate. I agree. Seems like you're the one making stuff up. You see my point? What exactly have I made up? I'm simply saying that we don't have the proof that this is what he says it is. It could be or it could not be. That's not even bearing on the main point. But these people in all sides in the paradigm are so desperate to attack what they think is somebody attacking what they think. It's kind of entertaining, to be quite honest. But one, it's obvious that I'm not making anything up. Simply pointing out that we don't know for sure is not making something up. But the assumptions are very clear. Obviously, they said it was Russian disinfo. Obviously, it's not. That's ridiculous and hilarious. I made that point many times. Here's another one. I love this one. I just absolutely love this one. I hope you guys will go in there and comment on this one because this is just priceless because of what we just went over on this discussion. But so responding to my tweet about the Twitter files, this guy says, did you ask for source material when we were told COVID vaccine prevent transmission with two question marks? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, I did, man. In 2020, I did an entire show showing that they did not stop transmission and that they never even tried to find out if they did. I knew that in 2020 because I looked at the source material, so I wasn't shocked when that was stated by the member of parliament in 2022. Any more questions? No, of course not. My point about this is how hilarious it is that this is a person who is clearly upset that I am asking for source material, (laughs) and then I guess after assuming that I'm having an opinion about this, which I'm not, I'm in the middle waiting for something to prove one way or the other, so that that assumption is there, then it jumps to the next assumption that I didn't do this. Like, think about the level of idiocy there. Like, just, hey, I don't even call them names. The point of assuming, and then when I point out that assumption, you jump to another assumption, and you're wrong about that one, too. It's amazing. And this person just says, Elon has the internal information. Duh. Okay, do you not see how this makes my point? Right, so I'm not saying that it's not there. I'm saying that we have not seen it yet. So to point out that Elon has it, first of all, how do you know that, Mouse Dream? Has he shown it to you? You have his personal phone line? You're assuming he has it because he said that. Now, yes, he's an owner of Twitter. I agree. It's most obviously likely that he does have all of this information. It's kind of a no-brainer. But my simple point is it hasn't been shown. Then the next part is that whether or not it's been shown, how do we know that's the full picture? Because you guys have clearly decided that he's on your side. And that's problematic for me. But... I I am seeing a lot of people out there appreciating the objectivity because it's basically nowhere in the two-party paradigm right now. This person says, and all of these are in response to that same tweet. Why are so few pointing this out? And we should just be waiting. It says, are any current or former employees disputing what was published? That's a good question, actually. Right? Because you would argue there's a lot of overlap here, like the Roth individual. And some of these people, if they were at least feeling like something was exposing what they had been doing, they, would have, they could come out and say, that's not true. That didn't happen. As far as I can tell, that's not happening. 
He says, or are they just issuing ad hominem attacks on Musk and Taibbi? Like, I'm not sure if they're suggesting that's what I'm doing, but the point is that, yeah, that is largely, and I'll show you in a minute, what is happening. It's really embarrassing. The corporate media is, I mean, almost taking a worse stance than the assuming it's completely real, which is just acting like, I'll get to it in a second. It's it says, it's you, it's the usual type of ridiculousness from the corporate media. But it says, absent denial, safe to assume there's truth in what was published. Now, again, I'm just, I'm with you until that. Absent denial, safe to assume? Well, this is my point exactly, isn't it? No, it's not. It's never safe to assume in this kind of discussion. If we're talking about journalism, if we're talking about breaking a story, if we're talking about information, source material, that's it. Assuming is your prerogative, but you can't pretend like you know, because that's the problem with the paradigm right now. It's not safe to assume there's truth in it. Look, I agree with that. My point is that the general breakdown of those thread, if I had to choose, I believe that seems to line up exactly with what I would argue is happening. So that's the one part is that people assume that I don't think that. That's, I obviously have made that clear. I'm just still being objective in the face of that belief. Instead of allowing my belief to drive what I think is happening, I'm remaining objective, which we all should be doing. Here's another one. Now this one, in response, says, I believe because there are people on those emails who are not in positions of decision makers. Oh, oh th- no, this was the same one. I forgot he just responded saying, I agree with your point as well. I am assuming that they will be released at a later point or directly to Congress because I have no doubt they will be going after it. I hope. Now, that's an interesting point, by the way. If this was like a genuine effort, you'd see people in Congress just making like trying to not just to focus on the laptop either. Like what the Twitter documentation, if it's there, really does show about the overlap and the influence of both sides on elections, on all sorts of things, censoring people because of what they're saying. But I don't think that will happen. I hope it does. It says, I hope in the interest of the transparency he's talking about, we do end up seeing it sooner than later. I do. I do agree. Because it's not transparency if we don't see it. And just wait till I get to a couple other points that are, I think, kind of showing you right now that at the very least there's something strange happening, right? It's, it, there's no more information as far as I can tell unless it's come up since I've started, which was supposed to happen right away. Same with the amnesty. What, was, what happened to that, right? Where are all the people who are supposed to come back? It's, it wasn't supposed to be a process. You, you did the poll. You said that people voted. You said the caveats, breaking the law, spam. Okay, save for breaking law and spam. Where's everybody else? Oh, well, we're going to do a process. Well, no, you showed the process. Where's Dr. Peter McCullough? Where's all sorts of people that should be back on the platform already? It's not happening. Now, maybe there's more to the story that I don't know, and I'm always willing to point that out. Maybe there is a process that he's going through to make sure X, Y, and Z. I don't know, but that's not happening yet, so we shouldn't say he's fighting for free speech yet. It's amazing. I don't know how anybody can disagree with that, but they are. This person says, reasonable people are likely taking the first Twitter files drop with open minds while awaiting for concrete documentation, independent reporting to verify its authenticity. Absolutely. He says that may be tricky when third-party media sources refuse to cover it. Now, some very great points here, but I want to make a point about the third-party part, right? As I said, it's made far more tricky by the partisan players, I meant to say right there, on both sides, acting like this is either a proven bombshell one which I do feel is real, by the way, or a nothing burger, which as of course, it's somewhere in the middle, or the fact is we don't know when the truth is no one but Elon, and I'm assuming that knows, right? But so it's interesting that, that we're talking about third parties not covering it. Again, it's all, I'm not trying to defend the corporate media here, but the bottom line is that there is no source material. So really, there's no story other than to say Matt said this and we're waiting for more information. 
which by the way, I would argue from what they cover every day in corporate media anyway, that's probably the most important thing they get. Like the kind of nonsense they pump out in these platforms, that seems like something they would cover if it was leaning in the direction they wanted, right? If Matt Taibbi came out and broke a story that was all Russian information without proving it, they would have reported on that to make that point for people. You know they would have done that. So there's a good point to be made there. But nonetheless, the point is that I can understand why somebody wouldn't be covering it if that's the case, because there's no source material yet. This person says, Elon claims that the source files will be released after Matt finishes the initial report, supposedly to keep the story from drowning itself out from too many angles or something. That's ridiculous, by the way. That's absurd. If we're talking transparency, that's not transparency. That is about milking this for all that it's worth. And then I guess we're just supposed to wait till the end until we can, but see, the point is people are already jumping on this as if it's a bombshell within this story. What most people are kind of showing here is that we don't even need this as, of, as it is now to prove this story. The story is proved, proven. So there's only a couple things in this thread that actually change the story and they don't seem to change it the way people want, such as the fact that he said that there's essentially no government involvement or that both sides are influencing. So it's a very strange development and everyone's making it what they want it to or ignoring it entirely. But he says that he says that we'll see if that holds true and the files are released, right? So that's kind of my point is that I agree with that. Like if they're released, we should wait for that point to happen. But he says they'll be released after he finishes the initial report. And how long is that going to take? Because right now we were supposed to have more reports already coming out, but it's not here yet. Supposedly to keep it from drowning itself out. That point, I just don't agree with. I ultimately think that this is maximizing their reach on this for concerning reasons. But I said, okay, fine. I disagree strongly with that. My point is that not even uh, is not even really the process, but instead the willingness with which mainstream media and independent alike seem to accept this or deny it at face value already with no verification of source material. That's ridiculous. And they, they agree with that. I'm glad because people I think people are thirsty for some kind of objectivity today. Now, last couple points on this part of it. He says, because Matt has done more reporting with honesty and integrity. Now, he did do great work on the collapse, 2008. I agree with that. For the most time than most any other journalist out there. Well, that's Jude's opinion. I don't agree with that. There's a lot of journalists out there that have done nonstop, consistent, excellent work, especially around COVID. They also said they plan on doing what you are asking in a responsible way in the future. Now, again, I just I kind of don't understand the response to that, right? I, 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 we're all aware they're claiming they're going to release it. But how is that a response to me saying we shouldn't be jumping to conclusions? Well, they're going to release it, so let's jump to conclusions. Like that's you're, you're kind of making my point for me. That's just what I said essentially. Now here is excuse me, clear my throat. Here is Hotep Jesus who shared the tweet that I put out saying many are thinking it, few are speaking it because so many are celebrating they do not want to be the black sheep. That's the most honest answer I think I've seen. Not just because it aligns with what I think is happening, part, partly, but because it, I think that we're, people are just afraid to point this out. It's sort of like the COVID discussion where people are just in, in embarrassed, scared, threatened. They just don't want to speak up and point things out. Uh, Asim Maholter just pointed that out about celebrities and doctors and everybody. It's, it's, I think this is the point is people are just either going along to get along or just don't care. But as BX Bullet points out, maybe it's all a giant experiment to determine how dangerously susceptible to persuasion we're all we've all become in our new social media or uh, that's great social mediaocracy. I, I genuinely think that's what this is to a large degree. But on the other side of this, talking about the media, here is what Musk said in regard to why they're not responding. I, again, this is kind of I don't know. So there's nothing to prove what they're saying just yet. 
which has no bearing on whether this story has already been proven before, which I think is kind of interesting because it has been. But the point here is that we're talking about him going, the, well, I mean, I'll just read it. That's really the point right here. He's asked about why, why don't you think they're covering this instead of they're slamming Matt Taibbi? He says, Musk says, well, I think those people should be looking in the mirror and, and wondering why they were deceptive and why they deceived the American public. And instead of trying to redirect blame to Matt Taibbi, they should be accepting some responsibility themselves for not being truthful to the public. Well, we're acting like that's all contingent on the t- thread you just put out. Nothing has been proven yet. But I do agree these people should look in the mirror because they have been hiding the story. My point, though, is they're kind of pivoting this on the idea of this release. I'm convinced this is about training us to accept um, the the intermediary of information. And, you know, that we've established Musk is this, so therefore when he gives him this, we can't prove it, but we should trust it because he's, you know, that's absurd. And we've been tr- they've been trying to train us like this from the media for a long time, but now enter Musk and his folk hero status from Fox News, and suddenly everybody's just going right along with it. Just like Cuomo said, you don't look at WikiLeaks, look, listen to what we tell you, it says. What's different about this as of this moment? If it changes tomorrow, I'll be happy to see it. And I will cheer him for being transparent in a very long, abstract way. Nonetheless, it would be transparent. I just kind of don't think that's happening. Now, I want, to, I want you guys to consider one other thing. Now, I, I played this before. This is the clip from uh, Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live discussing Trump. Now, I want you to think, let me play it first and, we'll, and we'll, we'll discuss this. It's only two minutes and it's about how Trump became so popular and what he revealed and then what later continued to happen. And I want us to consider this in the overlap of what is happening. I mean, right now, there's all these comparisons of what Musk is going through and Trump. They're calling him the Trump the Trump or Trumpization of Musk and acting like the media is going after him like they did Trump and so on. Well, that's the one sided perspective. I mean, I frankly think he's on the inside of a lot of this, but either way. He's being set up as the hero. And by doing what? The same thing Trump did, going, I'm going to show you what's happening inside. But then going back in and continuing to play the game. I find it very interesting. Let me see if I have it saved still. There it is. And I'm watching the news now. They're declaring the end of the Trump era. Now, okay, I can see how in New York you might believe this is the end of his era. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I live in Ohio amongst the poor whites. <laughs> A lot of you don't understand why Trump was so popular, but I, I get it because I hear it every day. He's very loved. And the reason he's loved is because people in Ohio have never seen somebody like him. He's what I call an honest liar. Well, I'm not joking right now. He's an honest liar. That first debate, that first debate, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a white male billionaire screaming at the top of his lungs. This whole system is rigged, he said. (laughs) And across the stage was a white woman, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, sitting over there looking at him like, no, it's not. I said, now, wait a minute, bro. (laughs) It's what he said. And the moderator said, well, Mr. Trump, if in fact the system is rigged, as you suggest, what would be your evidence? You remember what he said, bro? He said, I know the system is rigged because I use it. I said, God damn. <laughs> and then he pulled out an Illuminati membership card and chopped a line of cocaine up and did it right into the podium.
No one ever heard someone say something that true. And then Hillary Clinton tried to punch him in the taxes. She said, this man doesn't pay his taxes. He shot right back. That makes me smart. <laughs> and then he said, if you want me to pay my taxes, then change the tax code. But I know you won't. Because your friends and your donors enjoy the same tax breaks that I do. And with that, my friends, a star was born. No one had ever seen anything like that. No one had ever seen somebody come from inside of that house, outside and tell all the commoners, we are doing everything that you think we are doing. Inside of that house. They just went right back in the house and started playing the game again. Think about that. Now think about how that relates to what we're dealing with right now. Right now, whether or not that's being used. Now, look, I think it's kind of easy to point out that at the very least, the Trump situation was not what it appeared to be. Now, you can argue that he was fooled or that he was part of an agenda. He's still promoting warp speed and the vaccine as some kind of glowing feature on his, hist- on his, on his record, which is concerning, especially since he's very aware of what his followers think. What's interesting to me, though, is regardless of that, that's the way it went. So you could argue that it was all a ploy and it worked. So is that happening again? Are they coming out and saying, look at what we see? They're cheating from the inside, right? Here's the, here's the proof. Matt Taibbi says it in his texts. And people are going along with it. Now, even, even if it actually comes out and they prove it with the transparency, my point would be that we then should continue to question what happens. Just because they give you a bone, you don't then turn around and think, well, now he's all on our side. It may be. Why we can't remain objective and continue to question people, even if they show you, they don't show that they are trying to be on your side. Why that doesn't happen is beyond me, especially as we are acutely more aware every day with how we're being cheated and stolen from and broken. I mean, it's just mind blowing. But again, maybe that's because that is what everybody thinks. And we're just not allowed to see that. Well, here Janie points out, and this is just, you could play this. It's just a recording. There was a, a... Twitter files live on the, uh, Elon Musk on stage. It was what's it called? Twitter stages or whatever. He says, frankly, the risk of something bad happening to me or literally being shot is quite significant. I'm definitely not going to be going to any open air parades, he says. But then she says, imagine having to think like this simply for giving people our right to free speech. Now, I, I like Janie's work and what she's doing, and she's sharing a lot of great stuff. I just bl- I wholeheartedly disagree that we even know for sure that's even what's happened yet. I'm holding my judgment for actual evidence of whether this has even happened, seeing as how there's all sorts of doctors and people that, I mean, most people haven't gotten let back on yet. So I don't even know how how we can argue that unless it's a partisan position. But the overall point, though, is that, I I mean, is it it likely that he is being threatened? Yeah, because there's a lot of partisan people that actually believe he's the living embodiment of Nazi terrorism or whatever, you know, whatever nonsense they hear on CNN. But the point is that this is more so, in my opinion, about setting him up as the person being targeted. Maybe both. Here is uh, Majid Nawaz saying, media shills ignore this very important story, by the way, which I haven't got a chance to do on the show, but I have been following it and been sharing information I think is relevant. I mean, it's just mind-blowing how obviously clear this stuff is. That's the the, uh, Belen Sajia, I believe, if that's how you pronounce it. Funny enough, other CIA right in the the name. I find find that hilarious. But with that and the Biden laptop story, if you haven't seen that, it's about this clothing company that basically... Everything it began where they had a, a court filing, a court case of like fighting for the right to pedophilia on the table of this screen, this shot, and it's all this weird SMM stuff, SNM stuff. There's some very, very alarming stuff of the people involved with that, and so on. You can look into it if you're interested. Plenty of good reports on this. 
the point, though, he's saying media shills ignored that and the Biden laptop and focus on Trump again, which is totally true because both those are real stories and they are obviously doing that. But it says his actual quote. Oh, first of all, here's what it says. This is from Fox News. White House responds to Trump demanding to terminate parts of the Constitution after Twitter files release. White House responds to Trump. It's the way that reads. It sound, you can either read that as the White House is demanding it or Trump is demanding it. But the point is it says his actual quote, a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution, which that, I, I agree with that. What he's saying is that the fraud that's happening allows for these things to be completely meaningless because they're just sidestepping the truth. The i.e. election fraud renders laws useless in one example. I agree with that. But the point here is about whether or not these people are not covering this and how that's being framed. What I want you to see is how absurd it really is. And this is from Mediate. The 27 most embarrassing reactions to Taibbi's thread about Twitter or the Twitter, the Hunter Biden Twitter tweets, which again, it's focused just on that. What's interesting is how ubiquitous this is. This is the point I was making before. Imagine throwing it all away to do PR work for the richest person in the world. Oops. I mean, it's like they all have some kind of like towing the line talk, uh, you know, handbook where it's like, you know, or some kind of like app where they open it up and they go, what am I supposed to say about this? Got it. Right. Most power, richest man in the world. Uh, where is it? Doing online PR work for the richest man in the world. Like they all say the same thing. Every single, well, at least in this thread, and I'm sure that's why they're showing them, but so many of them do the same exact thing. PR on hand, richest man in the world, doing PR for the richest man in the world. Like, really? So the one thing they do is act like he's just doing PR, which by the way, a lot of what he wrote could be perceived like that, especially with no source material. Now, had he given the source material, it wouldn't be PR, would it? But you see, there's almost a fair argument to be made for why that is essentially that. However, the story is real without those tweets or not, and they didn't cover it then either. The point is that the main thing they should do, if they're being honest about this, is go, there's no source material. What are you asking me to cover? Matt's tweets and suggestions? And I would have been like, damn it, I agree with that, because that, but they don't do that. I don't see a single corporate outlet that's saying, where's the source material? You know why? Because I believe there's an agenda here to make you all debate over it, but literally continue to focal point through his tweets or some kind of mediary, just like they are. I'm convinced about that. But just so it's clear, the media is being ridiculous about this too. And you are allowed to have these points all in the same conversation, right? But here's one of the people that's standing up for the truth, Rudy Giuliani, you know, this bastion of freedom and truth. What Elon Musk exposed, you see my point? So what's been exposed, right? So we're just taking it face value because it's advantageous to Rudy Giuliani. But I agree it was exposed before Elon did these tweets, but this is how it's being channeled for you, right? Exposed goes further than the massive Hunter Biden scandal. It's really a Joe Biden scandal, by the way. It reveals how the Democrat Party with big tech and legacy media will go to silence dissent and hold power. Well, but what's interesting is that in those very tweets from Matt Taibbi, assuming that they're actually sort tied to source material, they point out that both sides did so. I guess he missed that part in his due diligence, right? It's just very interesting how this is being framed. Here's the last example on this part. Kyle Rittenhouse, along with a lot of other people, simply says, Elon Musk is giving Americans the best early Christmas present. Truth being brought to light. Now, I hope that's what's happening. Again, my point is the same. We don't know. I said, or that's the assumption, I guess, based on tweets and screenshots. Why are we acting like this has been proven? Same point. But everybody's playing their game, right? Now, Joe has a great point on this. Why did, does Twitter have a hacked material policy? Which was what was referenced in one of these tweets from Matt. 
It says, if the material is verified and is of public interest, why stop it? I mean, it's a, that, that's, that's the most valid question out there today. It says even the New York Times published the stolen Pentagon Papers, right? What, or what about the WikiLeaks information, right? Which is same kind of same kind of, kind of same conversation. The point is that they do this all the time. But so the idea is they can hide this stuff under the argument that even if it's true and even if it's leaked in the right way, because a whistleblower has a right to leak information if you're proving a crime was committed, even if it is a government information, the point is they just create a situation where they can go, oh, it's hacked. Therefore, you can't look at it. It's a control mechanism. So the point is that they're towing this line too. But as Faceless points out in response to my tweet, which I agree with, whether they know that or not, they say, what's funny is people acting like this is new. They've been openly bragging about it. And this is kind of one of the larger points that regardless of these unsourced tweets so far, we have an article in Time Magazine where they literally wrote, I'll just read the headline. We did a whole segment on this. The secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. I mean, guys, they're literally admitting to you. They're literally admitting to you that they took action or some entity did just to do something in the 2020 election. And they act like that's a freedom, even though it's completely outside the bounds of what they call democracy. It's okay when they do it, right? The point is, this is so undeniably clear. This Twitter thread discussion, I'm convinced, is not what it looks like. But I'm waiting to see. Hope it does. Hope it pans out. But just to add to that in general, for those that you know are kind of under the assumption that I'm trying to like suppress this, here's George putting breaking. Email leaks reveal Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs was in regular communication with Twitter telling them who to censor. It's I mean, this stuff has been out already, guys. This is there before all this. And yet it's not like, why is the actual provable information not becoming the focal point from seemingly either high-level side? I think because we're not actually trying to get to the truth. It's about keeping us vested in the two-party paradigm. But you can go through this all for yourself. This stuff, I don't even know why we need to prove this anymore. Here's the actual court document, by the way, so you can prove this isn't just him posting tweets or images. You actually have the source material, which is always the point. The information, of course, comes from the Missouri versus Biden case that he's been covering extensively. The lawsuit has uncovered so many links between big tech and the government, you would think they were virtually married. You can, she's got a great thread here. You can read through this whole thing. My favorite part about it is this kind of stuff. Ha ha ha. Love the fake documents weeks after the election. Except this isn't the midterm, stupid. We're talking about 2020. The point is people are already convinced about what they think is happening. Two-party paradigm breaks your mind. The point is they're not fake. It's just the link is in the thread so you can prove it for yourself because there was, they're just, one, assume this is about the recent midterms, and two, that they think it's fake because it must be, because otherwise I'm wrong, that's where you go with it. How embarrassing. Make sure you let them know. That's ridiculous. The point is, all this stuff is out there, but yet we're resting on unsourced tweets now to make these arguments, as if that's proof. And if you say it's not proof, then you're a shill for Democrats. It's crazy. Now, on the point of free speech, this is a really interesting statement that somebody made. It shows you the kind of logic coming from some people. Lack thereof, I guess. Whole Mars catalog says, in a world where anyone can speak freely, who decides what is true? Now, first of all, what world, what, where's the alternative here? Are we, are we now in a world where everyone can speak freely as opposed to before Elon Musk took over? I mean, what a strange thing to say. World versus platform, yeah, whatever. But the point is, who decides what is true? I mean, you could almost feel this person trembling while they write, who's going to tell me what to think? Oh, I don't know what to do now. Elon Musk chimes in and says, you do. That's the fundamental difference. 
And of course, a parade breaks out, right? Elon Musk saved the day. Is that actually what's happening though, right? As people are still being censored for all sorts of things right now on Twitter, myself included. And the point being that this is stuff that is still happening. And even if it's not under the like designated category of medical misinformation for COVID, it's still happening. I keep showing you this stuff. The bottom line is that is true, the statement. And I agree with that. In a world or a platform where people actually have free speech or any situation, it's always been you who decides, guys. And it always should have been. The problem is that we have become apathy, apathetic, complacent, and allowed, in some cases, people to let the authority tell you how to think. And people like this, after they've been doing that their whole lives, are scared. Now I have to decide for myself, how am I going to know for sure? Because you've been trusting what they said, which usually turns out to be false anyway. But I don't believe that's actually what's happening. That's the perception from some people. Here's Mark Ruffalo pointing out something I find to be an interesting overlap. This is that New York Times article, hate speech's rise on Twitter is unprecedented, which completely contradicts what Elon says is happening, which I'll show you next. But Mark Ruffalo just tweets what New York Times says because, you know, because Mark Ruffalo blindly regurgitates what the Center for Counter Digital Hate says. Even though there's no statistics, there is no proof of what they found, there's no evidence. It's just a statement. It's their own research and what they say they've seen. And of course, that's enough for Mark because, well, they're countering hate. They must be on my side, right? Elon Musk sent up the bat signal. This is what the New York Times article says to every kind of racist, misogynist, and homophobe that Twitter was open for business. What a stupid argument. First of all, Obviously, there's no bat signal. So what they're saying is that by simply doing what he's done, that that was a signal, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that I want all the hate to return. You are yet again showing your idiocy, your child nature, childish nature by saying that you know what he's trying to accomplish, even though I think that's provably not the case. At best, he's allowing people to say what they want, but that's also not even what's happening. I mean, it's such a weird, it's a, it's meant to divide people and it's neither of these things happening. It's fascinating to me. They have reacted accordingly. All the hate is back. Well, he puts out his information, which, by the way, was in that 2.0 everything app breakdown. Well, I mean, all I really did see was graphs he put out, so I guess we don't know for sure in that. But there was a graph showing you the decrease in hate speech, which, by the way, remember, is because he told you he will be censoring hate speech. I don't know why that's okay with people acting like that was not okay when Jack did it. But what I find most interesting is Alex points the same things out, because in the article it says these findings, at, you know, and X, Y, and Z. Well, he goes, what findings? Where's the data? And he's right to point that out because there really wasn't anything other than what they said they found. Well, okay. The point I made on the pirate stream. I'm not saying Alex is, is or isn't doing this. My point is out there, there are people making this argument. Going, well, there's no data to prove that. The problem is those are the same people going, this is proof of everything. In some cases. Why does it not necessitate source material on this side? But when they're pointing out Elon's lying about something and not proving it, that we demand evidence then. Partisan politics. I hope I just woke somebody up with that. The point, though, is he's clear about this. Negative hate tweets, negative slash hate tweets, so hate speech, guys, will be max deboosted and demonetized. That's censorship, suppression. It's already what was happening before. You won't be able to tweet, you won't find the tweet unless you seek it out, which is the kind of censorship we deal with today, where you can be screaming into a corner. You're technically there, but nobody knows where to find you. And then you wonder whether or not when they go to you or try to go to you, they get redirected or suppressed or it doesn't load, which also happens. The point is that's what he says he's doing. So why is that okay with anybody? 
and then ask the question about whether or not that's actually what's happening when they say, well, we see it going to the roof. Now, who's, who are we going to trust? Well, of course, the right's going to trust Elon and the left's going to trust the corporate media. Shocking, I know. Who could have seen that coming? But the main point about this is I find this to be a really interesting step where just like the Guantanamo Bay analogy I've made before, that suddenly once Trump was elected, Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay became a symbol of freedom, even though moments ago everybody was des- decided it was a bad thing. Just like this, just just like that on the snap of a finger, the right is now pointing out that he is removing hate speech. And I have seen that already. When Mark Ruffalo or the New York Times goes, no, it's through the roof. You could just look through the comments. You got people going, no, it's not. He just showed you it's going down more than ever. And why is it going down? Because he told you he's deleting it. <clears throat> okay. So now you've effectively created the right support of censoring hate speech and the left saying it's not happening enough. How in the world do you explain that without social engineering? We hear just a last couple points in regard to the, the hate speech discussion. The problem here is that we have this overlap with the whole yay conversation, which, by the way, I do think I have that next. Yeah, the whole point is that it seems it seems as if yay might have. I'm not sure. We can't know for sure. Might have been trying to expose that Elon was not actually fighting for free speech. Either way, he effectively did. Now, I'm not saying you can agree, have to agree with what he said or, you know, you have every right to point out what you think he said was disgusting or racist or whatever. That's free speech. And he has also has a right to say it as detestable as it may be to you. Right. The point is that that's that's actual free speech. The problem is that he was censored right after that for posting an image, which I'll show you again next. It's currently still on Twitter, by the way, with the hashtag love everybody. Well, as both Wyatt and uh, Wyatt uh, Reed and Libertarian Party points out, well, you know, all he had to do was wear an Azov badge and you would have been sent to Congress instead of being censored. Perfect. Here it is on a, tw- on a meme. <laughs> this little, I, I love this actual cartoon, by the way. This is a classic where it shows the woman in the office and a savvy looking guy in a suit comes over and says, yay, you're looking beautiful today. And she goes, oh, you're sweet. And then the next shot is a fat guy coming in saying, you look beautiful today. And she goes, human resources. <laughs> it's so perfect. We just love to pretend like these things don't play a factor. The point here is this is the guy with the Azov badge. I love Hitler. And he goes, oh, you're so sweet. Then down here with the fat guy, I love Hitler. And it says, you're right, human resources. Same point. It's obviously a game that's being played. But Syrian Girl pointed something out that I actually did watch, and I wasn't able to get it in time. It's not on the way back machine. If you can find this, let me send it to me. This has already been deleted. I don't know what Kanye streams was, but apparently it was something else. But it's gone now. Actually, let me see if the old, if the actual account is gone. Now, Kanye streams is still here. It's interesting. But anyway, so this was deleted. So what it says, or what it what it talked about, or what it showed, was it a car ride on the way to the Alex Jones show, where they were talking, which made it seem like they definitely had a plan and a ploy, like they were trying to accomplish something, and you could tell by their demeanor that it seemed like something was up. And I don't think it was about Alex. I think it was more so about this whole point, but just my assumption. Now, Searing Girl points out, in regard to the video you can't see now, which because it was censored on Twitter, despite the fact that it had nothing to, it was nothing racist or nothing hate speech or any of that at all. It was literally them in a car ride on the way, kind of weirdly discussing something that kind of didn't make sense because there was inside stuff going on. That's it. I watched the whole thing myself and it was centered on Elon's Twitter, but it says Kanye appears calm and calculated before Alex Jones show. Seems the bipolar episode was just performance art with the intention of, in her opinion, calling Elon's bluff on free speech, exposing influencers, influences that surround Elon. Certainly possible. 
as I didn't see this little thread down here. So this is the symbol that was posted, uh, sort of similar, kind of the same symbol that was posted on Elon's thread on Elon's account. Excuse me, on Ye's account. And I, I did prove very clearly this was the one that did it because Elon responded saying that one's not okay after responding the other one was okay and it got taken down, saying that it promoted violence. That was Elon's own words. Right. So here again, in case you didn't see the other show I did, this is what he was ref or what the symbol comes from. This symbol is right now live on Twitter. You don't even need the context to understand how that makes it obvious. How is that okay? Right now on the main image of every single thing they share and tweet, every one of them. But Elon, gosh darn it, yay, can share it with hashtag love everybody and get censored for promoting violence. Now, on top of that, the symbol itself is not even a hate symbol. I went over this in the previous show. It's a very strange thing. The Raelian, the Raelian movement is a UFO religion. Very strange. And it's, it's registered and everything. And the point is that they, the symbol is what he claims he saw the prophet on the ship, the spaceship, like this, right? And there's no negative connotation to it. And that's not even to discuss the different directions of the swastika and the historical meaning of it that wasn't what the Nazis made it into and so on, right? But on top of that, the guy had a Jewish father, I believe, and a Christian mother, and he wanted to start this in Israel because of that. You know, so they're going out of their way to make something that's not even in its core a racist symbol. It's still publicly on the platform out to be something bad because he did it and said, love everybody. Now, all of that, of course, ties back to what he said on the Alex Jones show. But how that's supposed to have bearing on what he posts on Twitter was the point. And I think what he did was effectively expose the whole damn thing. That's a personal opinion. I'm not saying I agree with what he said, and I think what he said, if that is the case, was meant to be over the top, so this would happen, but I don't know. Either way, I don't agree with most a lot of what was said because there was a lot of broad brushing being done, but that would line up with this, wouldn't it? Now, to finish off, I don't see this changing right now. So it's the, it's the fifth right now. Remember, when this first started, the whole point was that this was going to be like rapid fire, next day, more information, right? What needs to be done here exactly? So it says, tune in for episode two tomorrow. That was the third. Didn't happen. Well, then he, then on the third, he said, well, it looks like we need another day or so. Or so. Well, I guess that means not today. So what's actually happening and what are they doing? And why is Elon so completely invested in this process? Like he's the one, he put something saying fact-checking. He's involved with it, apparently, which I think is a little bit compromised because he's currently still in charge of Twitter and there's information in there that he may think should or shouldn't go out. I think it's very, very telling. My point is that I don't see anything happening. Now you can look at, um, let's refresh. As of right now, let's look at his most recent tweets. Uh, nothing. This is interesting. Starship takes beings of Earth to Mars. Kind of an interesting overlap with this whole weird extraterrestrial. I, don't know, I just thought about that. It's interesting. But your point is there's no new tweets. There's no new information. No new posts about the Twitter files and so on. Now, likewise, here's Matt's thread. And there's also no new information, no new Twitter files, right? So at the very least, it hasn't happened yet. There's a lot of peripheral talk about this, right? Talk about people who are attacking him because of it and what Twitter people are saying. And, but nothing's even been sourced yet. You see my point and how far away we're getting from this? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if nothing else ever came out and it just became, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how anybody pretends this is something yet. It's a bunch of text and screenshots that don't really add much more other than a couple of like muddying the waters and making it. Yeah, it's very interesting, but you can read through and see there's nothing new. Here's his sub stack. You can see there's nothing new. So what's happening? 
Now, I'm not saying I know for sure, right? Because it could come out tomorrow, and when it does, and it's transparent, I will say that. But nobody on us should be saying it's anything other than up in the air yet. Now, here's the craziest part to me. I didn't even think this was real. I thought somebody was joking. Apparently, of all people, Barry Weiss is now the next person. Uh, so does that mean they're skipping over Matt Taibbi, or is she going to get another part of it? <sighs> Who knows? And this is nothing even remotely close to transparency. I mean, this is just, I don't even know what you call this. But, but apparently this is the truth. Elon Musk says he's hardly read any of the Twitter files, which I don't, I don't find, he's the one that tweeted about him being involved with fact-checking these things. I don't know about that. So something's dishonest. But he's given Barry Weiss access to work on the rollout. So now she's involved in the process. Well, just in case you forgot, Barry Weiss was the person who went on Joe Rogan and attacked Tulsi Gabbard as a, a sod toady. And then when Rogan asked her about that, she didn't even know what toady meant. All that shows you is that she was simply regurgitating what people said around her. That is not what we should be listening to. Now, yes, she has suddenly changed, apparently, during COVID-19 and has started to give a little bit of truth light. You know, a little bit of half-truth and half-lie. You know, the kind of this first step into maybe kind of talking about that these things might be a little dangerous. No, they're light years behind where the truth is right now. But they're giving that appearance of no longer being a part of the corporate media. You know, sort of like Matt Taibbi, honestly. Now, I'm not saying I don't. I, I question all of these people. And I listen to what they have to say also. But regardless, this person is concerning to me. And here's a few of her tweets over the past. Like, I mean, I, I just, I, I didn't go too deep on this. There's plenty of tweets in there you're sure you could find that are problematic. And some of these things I'm sure I'm, I mean, people might not even disagree with. All I'm trying to demonstrate with their tweets here is a slant. So if you know people have an obvious political slant, why are you going to let them be involved with something that clearly is, is very clearly partisan or could be where there's information on two sides of this stuff where maybe one side doesn't get shown? You see what I'm saying? Like until we can act, until we can see some kind of like mass dump of all the information, all we're doing is being doled out things, sort of like these kind of controlled leaks of information, right? Here she says on, uh, this is in regard to the Yay interview, the former president of the United States hosted this person at his home for dinner. Okay. Right. So, you know, the bottom line is Trump's bad, right? Here she says on 2018 in, Ju in uh, July. The truth about Trump has always been that what he does in plain view is more than enough to make him completely unfit for the presidency. That's ridiculous. I've pointed out all the things I think are, you know, bellicose or like, you know, belligerent about him. You know, that he, you know, you read his book. It's all you need to do. He's very transparent about the kind of person he is in that book. And he's, you know, but the bottom, bottom line is none of that makes him unfit for the presidency. These presidents historically are war criminal, war, you know, warmongering maniacs that sometimes have a good show of who they, like an Obama, where they look like they're nice and friendly and but most worst drone program in history, right? Trump is just a kind of a, a, a gruff kind of, what's the right word for it? You know, he can, he can be distasteful to some people. He can say things that are crude. That's going to make him unfit president, but a, but a, a known more criminal. That's okay, you know. Like this is ridiculous to me. It's obviously slanted because Trump bad guy, orange man bad kind of nonsense, right? Here she is in 2022. Trump calling American Jews ingrates. Kanye channeling Farrakhan any given Sunday in 2022. When exactly did Trump call American Jews ingrates? You know, see what I'm saying? Like this stuff is being misrepresented in a lot of different ways. Here's another one from 2019. Two things can be true. Donald Trump's relentless war on decency, really, has facilitated a culture 
in which Jew hatred has become a regular feature of American life. Now, look, are there people that hate Jewish people? Yes. Is there racism in this country? Obviously. Are you really going to pretend that it's become a regular feature of American life to hate Jewish people? I mean, if that's going to be your statement, that's the kind of broad stroke, overreaching kind of concept that she is now in control of what we're going to see from Twitter information. That's crazy to me. And in no way am I saying that there's not, I mean, there is racism in this world of all kinds, and you could find it all over the place, including in Israel. It's, it's everywhere. And it's, I just showed you a clip of that the other day. But it's, this is one of the ones from 2019. It says the accusation of dual loyalty. A very real discussion that Israelis openly talk about. That's how stupid this conversation is. But she says the accusation of dual loyalty is anti-Semitic because it suggests that American Jews are provisional. Well, first of all, what I'm talking about specifically is Israeli citizens that are also United States citizens. You can make that about Jewish people, but that's your thing. My point is, yes, that does overlap with Jewish people. The bottom line is that you have, and I always point that as a Zionist problem, that's what plenty of Orthodox Jews will call out, that Zionism is using Judaism to manipulate people, but I guess that doesn't apply and they're anti-Semites. How does that work out? The point is that dual loyalty is an obviously concerning thing that applies to any entity that has, has a, a citizenship in one country as well as another, and then has, you know, specifically when it comes to like intelligence and governmental stuff. But this is an example across the board where you can see people who are discussing things and who do have positions with, let's say, national security insight that also have Israeli citizenship and throughout history have routinely proven that things get leaked to Israel. Like we just talked about the weapon system discussion that get leaked to Israel regularly, or rather, excuse me, from Israel to China, even though they're supposed to be a strategic ally, the U.S. and Israel. Like there's such an, uh, that my point is again, to act like the conversation of dual loyalty, which again, you can show videos constantly of Israelis discussing this concept, is anti-Semitic, then you're just not allowed to point out a reality because you say it's racist. It's not, though, because we're not talking about a race discussion here. We're talking about an Israeli citizen and an American citizen, which could be any number of races, right? They want to jam it into this conversation. Now, look, there are plenty of people that want to make that about Jewish people. I disagree. But you know what? They have a right to say what they want because that's free speech as much as it may offend you. Now, finally, just to show more censorship, which, again, you may even agree with. And actually, I would point out this statement absolutely violates Twitter's terms of service. But doesn't that doesn't seem to guide what they're doing even now. So I don't know why that even would make sense or why that is relevant. But the point is, this person chimes in that you're okay with this. So Kel Shell says, Elon, censor this. And he does. What it said, though, again, to make clear, was something that you could argue is absolutely censorable based on their terms of service. But you can point out that it's not free speech if you're going to be, you know, if rightly so, absolutist about it, because it's not actual violence. It's just words. The violence would be if something was actually used to commit violence. But I understand why people would want to draw this line. But I, this is where free speech becomes difficult. This is a person running for Congress. It says, we can no longer get rid of tyranny by, by ballots. It's only by bullets now. That's, that's pretty extreme, right? You are openly stating that we need to use guns to, to remove people in, currently in power. I mean, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty extreme statement. I disagree. I do not think violence is the answer in any possible way right now. That's what they want from us. Probably why she said that, to be quite honest. But it got censored. 
So very clearly not free speech. However, he did already tell you it's not free speech. It's just limited speech. He's telling you that if you do these things and, and violate this, that you will be censored. And fair enough, he did state it, right? But he hasn't done what he said he's going to do. And those statements aren't even being widely. There's examples of how this isn't being evenly played out. So we're not there yet at all. If, if we're even ever going to get there, people haven't been let back on or promised to be let back on, myself being one of them, Dr. Peter McCullough being one of them. People have been shown to be censored during a time when they shouldn't have been for things that they shouldn't be censored for. I mean, all this is still happening. So I hope we can be objective about this, guys, especially with things like this to finish today. The intelligence of this hive mind, he's talking about you and Twitter. He's talking about every single person using Twitter, and you're part of that listening if you use Twitter. The intelligence of this hive mind will improve significantly as signal, noise, effective cross-linking of tweets, and spread of tweets all improve. Now, you may think that's benign, and it's more of just a term, but it's not when you understand what they're involved in, what they're actually using this for, which he told you he will be using it for, one, to get your, to your data and how it will be used to implement artificial intelligence and the neural brain chip interface and all this stuff we're talking about. On top of the fact that this is, I mean, this person's a technocrat. It's obvious the direction they're going in. And we're going to talk about a hive mind discussion and how that might be used. I mean, my God, this weed, if like the tweet says, when people tell you who they are, listen. Now, if he comes out and proves more transparency and really does change everything and, and then, you know, stands up and starts pushing back against the great reset for, so let's just add those things together. I will, I will say, good job. I will point them out. I will say, I was wrong about this. And the very next thing he does, I will be like, I don't know. I'll wait for evidence because we should continue to question even when people show you they're on your side because that's actual objectivity, guys. That's the, where we all need to be right now. It's never been more clear that we need to take an absolute stance on these things. Thank you for tuning in today. I do think these things are incredibly important and I'm continually proud to have an audience like you that continues to care so much about this. And it's, it's evident by what our community continues to do. So continue to support us, guys. Support the Substack. Scott's doing some outstanding work there. Make sure you follow us on Parlor. Make sure you check out our Rockfin shows, everything we're continuing to do to grow this platform and more coming your way very soon. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.